1: don't mind me. I'm still shuffling around here. <laughs> it's Friday, um, so we have a lot to do. Today's a very intense um, gun chat day. Uh, not, we're not going to talk a lot about what happened in Lewiston, Maine. That's pretty obvious what happened. We're going to talk about what, uh, what we have to do to prevent what's going to happen next. And that is, of course, a rash of insane um, gun laws that they're going to try and bring about, uh, which are completely unrelated to what happened, because what happened was a criminal action. And so the idea of going after the rights of honest people because of a criminal uh, is insane any more than uh, getting uh, taking all the cars off the road to stop drunk drivers. Uh, I mean, that's the equivalent, or, or getting rid of all the bank depositors because people rob banks. None of this stuff makes any sense, so we're going to have to talk about it. But what I came to the conclusion, I was doing a lot of thinking last, uh, last night, and that's why I think it's a little haphazard this morning, chasing down articles, doing some sources, and just seeing what, what other folks have said, uh, which is, always interesting. It's always nice to have a research source when you can. But what it really comes down to is that uh, we have a national security problem. And to me, the national security problem is the lack of people carrying guns. And plenty of people own guns. There's, there's 800 million some odd guns in the United States. So that's not the problem. The problem is people aren't carrying them. And uh, uh, that, that's not Tara, especially. I've got her on the line right now. So we're gonna talk about uh, the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter and things like that. So that's where we're going to go, but I just wanted to sort of introduce that uh, as we go. And I'm not gonna find where I put her report, see. I know I have it here somewhere. Do uh, so, like to you know where I put See, I, I do think this is under Tara, is it under Animal Shelter, where, where, anyway. She's laughing at herself right now, but you can't hear her, she's still off the air. But let me just uh, quickly vamp, and uh, well, I'm gonna bring her on now, let her laugh a little bit <laughs> as I'm looking here. I know it's here somewhere. Good morning, Tara. <laughs> How you Good doing? Good morning.
2: How did you know I was laughing?
1: I, I knew because I can I can hear it <laughs> even over the, the radio. Now, where did I put you? Is it, I'm, I'm looking under T. Is it Tara? It could be. Ah, guess what I found. Here we go. All right. Can't you just see yourself all curled up on the couch with a really cute kitty cat just hanging around your neck? Or some adorable lapdog just looking up at you with those big eyes. Maybe you need a dog for hunting, for herding, for protecting the family, or just to take walking. Maybe the house just needs a family cat or, when available, a pet bird. Where can you find these wonderful animals? At your local animal shelter. And now it's the Santa Rosa County, Florida Animal Shelter report. With Tara D, I'm just gonna make purring noises here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> good morning.
1: Well, good morning. Well, these themes really put me in in the mood. You know, like I said, the, the 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 dramatic financial one, and some of the other ones we have. Some of our our, our gun themes are are kind of uh, well, I don't know. Um, they, they have been A little more like, serious. Old, wild yeah. Well, they're like you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now we're talking about guns, You know, but uh, this, one. <laughs> this is fun. This is fun time. Um, so we're the fluffy the cuddly traitors?
2: ones. That's
1: right. Yeah. Well, unless you have now, do you have some uncuddly? We should... we never really talked about that. What's the biggest, you know, nastiest, meanest, you know, most in need of help, rescue, and and uh, psychology <laughs> dog that you've seen? Um,
2: Well, throughout the years we've had some, I mean, we have a lot of animals that come in that have not been cared for. So I know we had this big humongo lab one time that came in, and he was very sweet, but he had no hair, and he was probably 100 pounds and just looked awful. And he had a scowl, and he looked like he was just, you know, like the meanest thing around, but he was actually a big sweetheart. But we will get some big, rough-and-tough-looking Dogs that are actually, you know, actually sweet. But if you saw them, you'd be like, whoa! Don't know if I want to try to pet this guy here. So
1: yeah, they'll, have yeah, to they'll from come their in. Owners too. Yeah, know, they'll I'm kind of
2: thinking. come in beat up, looking sometimes really beat up at, at other times. So it's you know, but appearances, you know, that's all beauty in the eye, of the whole in the beholder type of thing. Because then you mm-hmm. sit there and look at them for a minute, and then they just, you know, you see, oh my goodness, this is the sweetest dog, and you forget that they're not aesthetically pleasing. So.
1: Yeah, and I wasn't thinking of the 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 stereotypical pit bull. I mean, Irish wolfhound came to mind. Some massive dog that's in the wrong place that like likes to bound around, and you know, or elk hounds that are designed for killing elk. That's a big dog. You know, Absolutely. Thinking, we don't really yeah. we don't
2: generally get I think the probably the biggest I think we've maybe had one Irish come through in the many mm-hmm. years I've been here. Uh mm-hmm. and it was claimed by the owner. As far as anything else, probably the Mastiff has been one of the biggest ones we've had. We had like a two hundred pound mastiff that was here. Oh my god. And uh yeah, humongous just and then we've had some huge Great Danes as well. Those are probably our bigger our biggest dogs we have. But um back in the day when mm-hmm. we used to sometimes bring livestock here, so we have had a, a plethora of other animals. We've had we had a herd of cattle here before like uh probably
0: twenty really? twenty
2: cows and steers. Yeah. Some
0: of the bandits,
1: so we would have to go in.
2: Well, it was a, I think it was like a legal case or something. So we had them here for a couple months. We've had emus here. Uh, we've, I think we've had a llama or two. We've had donkeys, horses, um, types, all types of things like that throughout the year. So not not just your typical cat and dog. Although that is primarily what we have now. Um, just once in a while, we'll have something a little, little different. Um, I think <laughs> we even had a monkey one time. Although it was a hands off because of the, you know, disease carrier thing. So uh, it was just a. I believe the owner had went into the hospital, so it was just like a caretaker thing until the owner was released like two days later or something. So we don't really yeah, well, have those well, as, a, can as a rule. You know, people
1: yeah, exactly. So they find out that they're twice as strong as humans uh, oh, and absolutely. Uh, deadly and they're, they're smart. And so they are vicious. Uh, in ways yeah. that I don't want to go into here. I've seen the specials. But, yeah, chimpanzees can be incredibly nasty. But uh, an emu, the I, I spent four years in Australia. We call them emus down there. I don't know how it got to be <laughs> emu up here, but it does. But uh, we used to, in Australia, where they're from, we called them emus. And emus uh-huh. are like, a, they're like you know, one step down from an ostrich. That's a big bird.
2: And those are kind of scary, too. So one of our um, animal mm-hmm. control officers actually went out on in the field, and we have, I think it's generally switched over to livestock now. If we get a call like that, it gets referred out. But back in mm-hmm. the olden days, in the Wild West days here, they went out on every call and everything. So um, our officer right. went out to try to corral one, and he got kicked in the knee. And uh, he had to have He's a knee walking. replacement. it was yeah, He he's lucky, lucky he yeah. didn't. Yeah, that he was okay. But you know, it he was out of work for a while for that, and it was a you know definitely a permanent injury. And so anytime we see would see those birds coming in, we're like, oh yeah, keep your distance because they can definitely well, they can yeah, definitely do some damage. Uh, right, absolutely.
1: You know, well every animal has self defense. Otherwise, they would have been extinct long ago. So mm-hmm. you got to figure. So and they, it's, it, it, people think, well, it's just a bird. That toe can rip your chest apart. Uh, oh fact, yeah, and another,
2: that bird is yeah. like taller than you, and you mm-hmm. don't know its behavior. It's like, no, thank you. I think I'm gonna gonna stay on the other side of the fence for this one.
1: Yeah, and they can outrun you too. Now most of these are Oh yeah, they're extremely yeah. fast.
2: Yeah. yeah, they're
1: really fast. They're interesting that, to
2: look at because it's very, they're very, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, just like looking back, you know what I mean? It's like it does you don't think this, this should be in this time and space here, but they're they're <laughs> fascinating. But yeah, kind of scary. I'm a little intimidated by them. I won't lie.
1: Well, birds came directly from reptiles. I mean, they're probably birds before there were most other uh, mammals. Birds are old. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at Archaeopteryx, if we go back in evolutionary history, you know, Archaeopteryx is like the bridge between reptile and bird. And it had feathers, but it was still a reptile. It had, uh, like, a teeth and, uh, you know, a, a head of, like, a lizard, but it had, uh, had wings and feathers. It didn't fly all that well, but, you know, <laughs> well had to start somewhere. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's interesting. You look at birds. Birds are very ancient. And Jurassic Park taught oh, us yes. the their knees, knees work backwards. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they work opposite to uh, uh, where so if our knees bend. Theirs bend backwards. Uh, ours, yeah, or whatever it is has been forward, ours bend backwards. Yeah, however it works. Um, but, it's, it's, but they are, and there's a bird called a cassowary. Uh, in australia it's oh, a little shorter yeah. than an emu have you heard about them they they will i
2: heard they yeah are. they're yeah. terrifying <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah this is like your worst nightmare they got this big bony head you know i got this mean look in their eyes uh, marco's on the netherlands here he's checking in hey marco what do you know about emus do they have emus in the netherlands <laughs> he's like greg what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just kind of how it works around here on fridays but yeah exotic pets we never really talked about that but uh, this is interesting. Now, don't get a cast you Don't even take them. I mean, I don't think they're allowed out of Australia. They are that dangerous. So I'd yes, that be surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. Parrots, too. People don't think about it. Those beaks chomp, you know, you know, walnuts. Yeah, chomp your finger off. Yeah, exactly. And, that's you know, I've been bitten by a few birds. It's like, no, keep away from small children. Uh, these are, especially because they have a, enough brains to have personality and be jealous and all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're on the subject. Yeah. Uh, the other one uh, that comes to mind is the Burmese python, the invasive species. Have you ever had snakes come oh, yeah. through? We wow.
2: have had snakes come through, um, not so often as others, but you know, uh, throughout the years, we've definitely had a few. We've had one or two here and there. Uh, primarily, I think pythons, or what are the other ones that are the ball pythons? I think, and then um, we've had oh, corn snakes, stickers, probably too. Uh, what's that?
1: Boa constrictors, because we're like one step down oh, from the smaller versions. don't know. I can't versions.
2: remember yeah. if we've had. We may have. Yeah, probably so. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've had. I know we've had a corn sinks come through. They were, I think, for a while they must have been pretty popular on the um, on the uh, what do you yeah, call it invasive. on invasive. No, but you know you would get those in, and people would have those as pets. And then um, we just—I'm uh, oh. trying to think when the last time we've had a snake is—and that's been some time ago. So we don't really see them too much anymore. We used to get in—you know—fairly often. We would get in bearded dragons and things of that nature, some um, sort of chameleons, which I'm not really super well versed on on the reptile species of what come, you know, what is what. But I know bearded chameleons dragons were cool. super popular for a while, <laughs> really and we got really a bunch cool. of those in. But people yeah. need to, you know, if people getting bearded dragons, a lot of people don't do their research on those as well, and, and you would see them come in in terrible, terrible shape. Oh. So uh, that's something to think about. You can't just stick them in a cage because there's a lot more to it than that.
1: Now, reptiles are hard to keep. There's, there's a whole different thing to them. Ironically, when I was a, an intern in Washington, uh, D.C., I had a couple of roommates. And one of them was, was, you know, off the wall to say the least. And we had a car crash problem because a lot of times back east, mm-hmm. you know, in the apartments, you know, like New York, Boston, things like that, there's huge car crash problems. And we were just outside uh-huh. D.C. And so he came up with a novel solution. He goes, folks, let's get... So, so we did. <laughs> so we had two chameleons. We had Jackson chameleons, the big ones, right? And so, oh, uh, well,
2: that's
1: one way to do it. It actually worked out really well. And so we we were the only apartment that didn't have a chameleon problem. But, uh, you know... <laughs> Every once in a while at night, you hear them crunching away. It was incredible. It's like, funny. wow,
2: endless food. Woo-hoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, they loved it. I mean, the chameleons, they were healthy. <laughs> you know, they were in good Oh, shape. I bet. But, uh, but the, these were, uh, and the Jacksons, we had like a natural green setting for them. Um, it uh-huh. worked out well because they will change color. Uh, just to tell you a quick story one day, uh, we took them on a, on, a, on a bus ride on our shoulders and because they're oh, cold-blooded because wow. they're reptiles. Oh, no, it gets better, right? So here we are on a Washington, D.C. bus with a couple of chameleons on our shoulder, and they were so cold they weren't moving. You know, but then as the bus heat got to them, they started, and people thought it was a nice little decoration. We told people it was a fraternity prank. You know, we had to, oh. we, we were both like twenty, nineteen, twenty 19, 20 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a fraternity prank. Sorry, we have to wear these uh, chameleon decorations. Well, then, of course, the eyes start moving. <laughs> people are like, oh, my God, they're alive. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. That's part of, I, we didn't say they were alive. We just said they oh, were decorations. Oh, yeah,
2: decoration. we didn't say they were yeah. That's part of the attire. Yeah, that's uh-huh. like with the iguanas down south when the freezes. you know, and they're falling out of mm-hmm. trees and
1: stuff. That's yeah. Insane. Crazy. well how did they get they're not native are they or are they the iguanas
2: i don't think so i think they were brought into but again i'm not i'm not well versed on that but yeah i mean it yeah. seems like you know a, a lot of the problematic species that are that are around or something that you know shouldn't be here anyway so that's what's causing all the chaos so
1: well, what it's like with do, the
2: everglades you know all yeah. the, all the snakes that shouldn't be there
1: yeah well, I was just seen Burmese python again, which is obviously from Burma. I mean, oh yeah, they're an Asian snake. They're not supposed to be here, and they're killing mm. this huge amounts yeah, of, of animals in the Everglades. Yeah, because they're they're huge. They're being like thirty feet long, uh, and yeah, so it's crazy. you know they will they will kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're yeah. you know one python versus one person, it's it's, it's not a fair fight. Um, so that's why it takes like three people to handle them. So the question is, when you get an invasive species that needs to go. Uh, and, and they just they, they kill them and rightly so because that did not have been here in the first place um, But mm-hmm. uh, the exotic pet laws I think have changed they're not bringing them in anymore So mm-hmm. is the population declining or are they taking over you know the Everglades or what, what's the current situation with that?
2: Yeah, I, so I think it's still a huge I don't really know a lot of these is the last like documentary that I watched on it basically they're still just the numbers are endless and it's just like you know, playing whack-a-mole, trying to get a handle on it. And, yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're eradicating other animals that are supposed to be there in the ecosystem. So it's it's really problematic. And then I think we have the same thing with the – what are those little fish called? Uh, lionfish, I guess, that have come into this area oh, that are not fish? native. Yeah, and they're lionfish not – Lionfish
1: or for lion you, you got cut off for a second.
2: Oh, yeah, lion I think it's lionfish – yeah. Then they're not supposed to be here, and then, you right. know, they're just kind of an invasive species. So there's so many things that are like, oh, you know, it's causing causing problems with the, with the animals that are supposed to be here in the ecosystem. So it's unfortunate yeah. because it's not their fault, but, you know, if, if, if something isn't done, then you're going to lose other animals that are supposed to be here and things are going to be, you know, askew. So it's, I don't know, that's it's one of the things that humans tend to do is kind of screw things up a bunch, you know, with the ecosystem. Well, because they're
1: ignorant um, there yeah, was, uh, in fact and, I found or us. just selfish yeah.
2: and don't really yeah. care about other things. And you're like, oh, well, I don't care. I want this as a pet. Well, it can do this, this, and this. Well, I don't care. It's what I want. And and unfortunately, that's you know that happens a lot. The same with um, getting. And I'm not going to go into the whether or not you should have an exotic species as a pet. Mm-hmm. But ideally. You shouldn't. I mean, it's just you know. But I know some people do. But
1: <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. But you shouldn't. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, I I mean, you shouldn't. It. But I mean, some people that I know do, and I'm not going to preach to them. Mm-hmm. That's so a you know. Mm-hmm. But we have a we have a problem like thinking that oh well we can just make hey I'll just have a tiger as a pet or whatever. It's like that's ridiculous. You know that shouldn't even be a thought process in your head. But yet it is, and and we see these problems. We see rescues having to pop up with you know species that should be in the wild but because people are taking them in as pets and it's like okay you take them out of that environment and then they go to a zoo or a rescue facility to live their life out because they they can't be a pet and now they're dependent upon people but they're still a wild animal and it's just a whole it's a whole problem and those poor animals are living in an enclosed you know enclosed cage where so they can't hurt anybody but it's no life for them so it's just no. it's very unfortunate
1: yeah, no, I, in fact, I used to, I love parrots, and I used to have them when I was mm-hmm. younger, and, and I came to the conclusion that I don't want to leave a bird in a cage. That's the, I wouldn't want to be there, you know, and these, these birds, and I see them flying wild, and, uh, you know, I visited the, the islands and things, so if I ever uh, do anything with parrots again, it's going to be uh, maybe a big feeder where they can come down, and I can, you know, like, have tea outside and watch them land in my yard. That would be fun, but they'd be wild, mm-hmm. you know, their choice, uh, like hummingbird feeders and things like that. Um, I got piano line. I'll get to them in just a second. Uh, hummingbird feeders, people don't care... People, they can do more harm than good. Do you know about hummingbird feeders? You have to clean them properly. And I don't know a lot you have about to the right that formula. No. I know yeah, okay. that
2: they yeah, I know you have to have the the right stuff in there or it it can be bad for them. So, but I don't mm-hmm. know other other than that, I don't know have a lot of details. Also, mm-hmm. you have to be cautious where you put them because sometimes it's just you know, like they can they're basically, you know, make sure you put them in the right spot where other animals are not basically thinking it's a feeding dish for them to come in and <laughs> grab the birds. So,
1: yeah. Well, that's the thing what happens like squirrels go to the bird feeders and well quite frankly if you want more hummingbirds grow more flowers you know I mean mm-hmm, it's a natural absolutely. way out it makes more sense yeah let's get see what and you don't have to mow your lawn
2: it. as much you know so there you
1: go yeah yeah flowers are good jasmine I love jasmine you know you see the hummingbirds um, you know around the jasmine uh, anyway Pianki, what's what's your take on exotic animals
4: well I've never have had too much experience with any unless the, you call it the two-legged ones but I just want to. say oh, she does exotic, a marvelous job.
1: That, that, That's a different show. We'll, we'll save that one for the exotic show.
4: Yeah, she does show. a marvelous job with the animals. I really appreciate it and mm-hmm. learn quite a bit.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I, this, Thank you know, you. I, I don't know how we did this. I think it, I think it was like real spontaneous. I don't know how, how do we meet anyway. Uh, was it I on think Facebook? One
2: of your uh, Katie. Katie is the one that set us up. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she she's found other places to spend her energy and time. So yeah, the best thing she did was introduce us. And then, well, this this happens too. People, action radio is not for everybody, and so people Mm -hmm. come, people go. Uh, I've had wonderful reporters spend like two or three years, and then just. uh, you know, they, got, they get busy with other things, so it's, it's perfectly understandable. Yeah, Pianki says yeah, right here, it's in writing on our live chat. You do a wonderful job. And oh, so, yeah, you're, you're part of the family. You know, you're in. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty – once you get a theme, that, that's like a real big step, even if I can't find it. <laughs>
2: yeah. It <laughs> kind of has the Charlie, Browns, the Charlie Brown-esque music type, too. It's like jazz and Charlie Brown music,
1: so I like oh, yeah. it. Well, that, actually, that's the hardest part of the theme is picking the music.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Writing, it's
1: easy. You know, once I get a feel for for the report, that's the easy part. But picking the music, oh, it's crazy. Um, all right, so let's let's, uh, let's let's get on. We we get so talking, and, and just in case folks are interested, we did not plan this conversation. This is total spontaneous. <laughs> we spontaneous. never planned. What do you want to we talk about, not. Tara?
2: Well, let's see. So, I will talk about um, this weekend is Barktoberfest in Pensacola. That's on Sunday, and we are going to be out. I don't know that we'll have a lot of animals because we are low on volunteers that day, but we will be out there giving out information. People can stop by and talk to us, and we'll have our book with all the animals that are at the shelter. So, it'll just be a good networking event for us to meet folks and talk to them, and we'll have some pets with us. Just don't know how many, but the the main event is next Saturday we'll have an adoption event here at the shelter, and it's a pirate party adoption event. So it's going to be here at Santa Rosa Animal Services from in Milton from 10 until 2. All the adoptions will only be $5, and that includes spay and neuter, microchipping, all vaccinations, everything's good on the animal. And then we're going to have uh some vendors out here. We're going to have some crafts. We're going to have the crew of Wicked Pirates, which is a local uh Mardi Gras group that just started I think in the last year and they've been doing fundraising for the shelter so they are partnering with us and they're going to have their parade float out here that is in fact shaped like a pirate ship so we're excited about that and uh, we're going to have some food vendors so our food vendors we're going to have Second Wind uh, Second Wind I can't remember the exact name which is terrible I should have it on a note but it's Second Wind drinks I think they're going to have coffees and teas and snacks out here and then we're going to have um, who else? Let's see. We're going to have Whacked Out Wiener is going to have their hot dog vending out here. So that's an unfortunate we'll name for
1: a company. I'm sorry. That's just I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who came up I with that. Who thought it would be popular? But no. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah. It's uh. It's very. It's very clever. So um. And then since well, we have dogs yeah, here, you know, yeah, dogs I dogs. It. So. Yeah, so it's going to definitely, you know, be something you put in, you're going to remember. And so they're going to be out here. We're going to have some uh, vendors out here. We're going to have a big tent out. So if for some reason the weather is not good, we'll still be able to, you know, have a great day. Uh, We're also going to have some barbecue. I'm trying to find their name here. Sorry, I'm slow. Yeah, we're going to have, yeah, Blackwater Barbecue is going to come out. So they're going to have their food vendor truck out here as well. So we'll have barbecue. So you have your selection of foods. You can stop by, grab some lunch, go adopt a new friend, do a little Christmas shopping. It's kind of like a one-stop shop. Meet your Mardi Gras crew because they're new. So, you know, if you're... You never really got to talk to a Mardi Gras crew. This would be a great place to come and talk to them and see what they do and check out the pirate ship. It's really cool, so we're excited. So I think it's going to be a good day, and that will be next Saturday, 10 till 2, November 4th, here at the shelter.
1: Wow. You did that in one breath. That's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Did you say Barktoberfest?
2: Yes, so this is uh, put on by the Pensacola Humane Society. They've been doing it for many years, and Mm -hmm. uh, it's back at Seville Park this year, and it is so much fun. So people just come out with their pets. They're all dressed up for Halloween. It's just adorable. There's a ton of vendors there that are – there's food vendors for the people, and then there's a ton of animal-related vendors like – pet portraits, pet shirts, I think. They used Mm. to have a pet psychic. I mean, they've got everything there. And then they've got adoptable pets as well. They've got contests. They have the, the doxies do their little, I mean, Pardon the pun. They do the wiener races where the little dachshunds have their little. <laughs> they,
0: they have their the really their little
2: runs? Yeah, and so it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of fun things going on there. So I would encourage folks if they're in Pensacola, they should go and check it out because it is tons of fun. You can just if you're wanting to adopt something new, that's a great way to go because many rescues will have pets out there. Or if you just want to come out and enjoy the day with your pet, it's pet friendly, so it's lots of fun. I think it's from ten until four, if I'm not mistaken, and that's in Pensacola. It's a little park and it should be a nice day so i think it's going to be a load of fun we're, we're excited about going this year and again that's put on by the pensacola humane society so if you want more information about it you can just go to their website and they should have it posted there
1: i'm just back with the, with the dachshund races <laughs> i just imagine these little dogs running up and down these little slides and sliding it on the is other side and it run, is adorable so they have a little race
2: well, um, they have the little ability things for them, but this is like a race. So the the people will be at one end, and then whoever gets to the first and some of them are just running with their little legs, and then other others just get distracted and they go sideways. So it's very very it's very comical, and they're you know little short legs. So it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to watch. If you have a dachshund, you should go out participate. If you don't, just go out and watch because it's a ton of fun.
1: Oh, that's hysterical. That's like the, the Calaveras frog jumps, and the frogs go off in different directions, and they don't care. They're frogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <or> <laughs> and also, <they> have. <laughs> um,
2: I think they have. They used to have, which I'm sure they probably do still have, a costume contest, and uh-huh. this is like the humans and the dogs, or just the dogs, and there are some amazing costumes. People are so creative with their pets, so it's really just worth going just to see that, if nothing else.
1: Which is more creative, the, the, the dogs that look like people or the people that look like dogs?
2: Well, I like it when they kind of mix. So one year we we saw there was uh, two teenage girls with their two dogs, and they had Chinese crested dogs. So um, uh-huh. you know, they're little hairless dogs with a little uh, little poof there on the top, and they dressed up as Kiss. And so they, oh. the little the little dog had like a little vest on, and he had the wild hair already. So and then the girls dressed dressed up as Kiss. It was the best. Like it was probably the best little group costume I've ever seen. It was fantastic. So people oh, are super hysterical. creative. They get really creative with their dogs, and it's it's it's. I love the the duos where they they do the dog and the human together. It's just very creative. We love it.
1: That's wild. I was just thinking of getting four doodles and making them the Beatles, in the different wigs. And- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <You
1: know. sighs> All right. The Beetle Doodles or the Doodle Doodles. Yeah, it's the doodle, it's the doodle a lot dog. of fun,
2: though. But, you know, you, most people don't, a lot of people don't go trick-or-treating anymore. So it's a good time to dress up the kids up, the dogs, whatever, and, you know, go have some fun for the day.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it's any less safe than it was when, like, I was a kid back in the in the 60s or um, Pianchi in, in the 40s. I'm teasing you, Pianchi. <laughs> you know, I mean, it'd, it'd be, uh, <laughs> I'd just be curious, you know, because I don't know if people do that as much as they did before. Well, I know I
2: I live in a neighborhood with a bunch of children, and when I first moved Uh in, I was super excited because I had moved from a place where there was no neighbors, and I was like super excited, and I dressed up and I got my little, got all my candy ready, and I was like, okay, we're ready. No Uh trick or treaters at all, and I've kids like every every like it's a smaller neighborhood. I'm not small, but like pretty close together, so I assumed I would have trick or treaters, not one. And so, every year since then, I just buy candy just in case, and nobody comes. so very sad.:
1: Well, probably because they all know that they're they all go to their friends' houses. And that's, uh, yeah, so maybe, but maybe I mean, that's the restriction. But you, they still, they should drop off. I mean, I didn't I, yeah, to school, I, didn't I was Yeah, and the trucker treats are very popular, too, care. where
2: it's a lot yeah. safer, where the church put on events and things like right. that. So it's a controlled yeah. environment where, where everything's a lot safer, which is understandable. But it's just mm-hmm. sad because that was one of my favorite things as a child, you know,
1: Halloween. Was Do you fun, have a party so. at, the, uh, at the shelter? Do you have a party um so on? we
2: we actually have a costume contest for the staff, so we did that last year. We decorated our prospective areas and then we also some not everybody participated, but everyone try to get everyone to dress up and then we give out little prizes and stuff and then we have candy. If you know any of the kids stop by we'll have candy for them as well. So And dog yeah. treats of course for any dog, so
1: yeah, you, know, you need costume. Well, costume probably be funny because, like, half of them in there are, like, 5'5", five, five blonde, and they all look the same. It's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> and then, know, the then other some half of the half, dogs, yeah, well, if
2: you come weird. in with a strange costume, they're going to be like, wait a minute. And that's happened before in the past. If if you have anything huh. on your head or something, they're like, you know, hey, I don't know you. And they start barking at you, whereas you have to take your hat off. And then they're like, oh, okay, it's you. So um, sure.
1: you I've have to be yeah.
2: selective with your costumes here, like, more about the outfit, anything, anything too you know, too crazy they'll they'll be uncomfortable with it so just got yeah, be simple look
1: here. it looks like a doctor's office, you know, with your blue uniforms in it. yeah so if, yeah. if they have any kind of doctor anxiety or vet anxiety, you're not going to help. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> well,
2: that's true. But they get used to us and we feed them and we're the ones that give them treats. So oh. you can tell mm-hmm. um when they see uh when they see a staff member they're like they equate that with oh, This outfit is good because they feed us and take us out. Um, Whereas, and this is just, you know, this is not a proven scientific thing, but when the officers come through, it's not as good of a reception because they have on a different outfit. And these are the dogs that are getting brought in by the officers on the street, right? So they're a little like, hey, I don't like y'all, but these people are okay because they feed us. So we tease the officers Hmm. about that because uh, some of our dogs definitely seem to have a grudge against them. Maybe they remember, like, you took me, I was having fun running the roads with my friends, and you brought me to the shelter. So,
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, Mark Nethelen Netherlands says dressing up dogs is a no-no. He's, he's not thrilled with this. Maybe, maybe that's not a European <laughs> thing. We, we dress people up here. Um, something, this is a little off topic, but it's kind of funny. When I first came here from California, I'd never heard of what a crew was. And people think of the word crew oh, as okay. in C-R-E-W. No, that's not how it's spelled here. It's spelled K-R-E-W-E
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so a crew, it's a group of wild partying Mardi Gras. It's got to be a Mardi Gras origin kind of thing. And they have floats and uh, either they're self-propelled or they're they're hauled by some really big pickup. Uh, I know folks that, have, that belong to a crew. We have, like, I think in uh, Milton, we have the Blackwater Pirate crew and there's some other, there's some other crews here. But uh, it's a Mardi Gras thing. It's hysterical. It's just a, a group mm-hmm. of partiers. And, I mean, sometimes they do benefits and things like that. But no, it's really social. And it's hysterical. But this is not... Uh, Something that the, a lot of the rest of the country knows about because I've been around the rest of the country. This is a—I don't know if it's just a, a Florida, Mississippi, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana thing, or whether it goes all through the south. But uh, it's definitely Yeah, a, I don't a know. I think thing. for the most
2: part, we're kind of it. Like the we're the pinnacle of it. Of course, New Orleans rather is Mobiles right. where it originated, and then we've got our version. And I oh. guess it's somewhere in the in the areas leading up to these places. I'm sure they're because I know like uh, um, what is the area? I'm trying to think outside of New Orleans. The little little areas leading away they still they have mardi gras stuff too and as well like um well
1: i don't, I don't know about
2: them i know like um what is it mandolin i'm trying to think what this city is mandolin or something like that and like kind of on the well, outskirts the so they're all they're all they're all, they're all <laughs> having um you know parades and such and we are and then we've got the beach that are having them so i guess it kind of spreads but it's definitely yeah. probably more of a yeah, more of a panhandle area thing leading over to New Orleans. But it's, a, it's very interesting and people do a whole um, – I have some of uh, friends of mine that are involved in a crew and they do a whole bunch of charity events. It's like they're always busy. So it's pretty cool. They do some, they do some good stuff in addition to the fun stuff.
1: Well, that's good. We have a, a little flexibility because uh, Derek's uh, traveling. He's on assignment right now. I'll say that euphemistically. <laughs> He's having way too much fun. Um, so we have uh-huh. a little couple extra minutes. But I want to spend most of this half hour. Uh, we're going to get serious um, about, um, about correcting our, our gun problem. Uh, and I don't want to get you involved in the politics of it unless you want to. But uh, we're, going to, we're going to take, uh, take care of that. Um, let me see. Bianchi. do you have another question for, for Tara now that I got her here? Well, give me a second, do. Get off the stock market reports. Piaki?
4: No, I'm cool.
1: Okay. <laughs> hang, well, hang back. Great
4: job once again. Oh, I had you. to laugh about the hot dogs running across the floor. I know <laughs> <made> them bad <that laughs> times. It really hurt <laughs> <had a good laughs> them.
1: I'm sorry. That's funny. Just imagine a bunch of yapping little wiener dogs running down, a, down a, a course. I'm sorry. That's funny. That's hysterical. It is
2: so adorable. It is so adorable. It is hilarious. Yeah. So I would encourage folks, to, if they're not there anything Sunday, they should go check it out.
1: So if you get two or three EMUs, you're have like an EMU race. That'd be even funnier. <laughs> oh, that'd be scary. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot more room. A lot more room. Those things, they, they run like 40 miles Yeah, an hour.
2: they're humongous. I mean, they're,
1: they're scary fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get all the contact information, and then I'm going to get uh, serious here for a bit. We've got uh, John Delmonico is already listening from the Women's Firearms Academy. He's uh, already on the line, which is good, John, because a lot of things we're going to talk about uh, probably for the, we'll see how long you and, and Candy can stay on, on board um, because I want to, uh, there's, there's some very serious topics. Uh, related to, to guns that we need to talk about in price the day that we do it. So, um, and I guess let's the contact information unless you want to weigh in on our, our gun chat. Do you want to weigh in on the gun uh, no. chat or you want to say that? No, okay, I can not. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I,
2: I, will, I will be listening, but I'm not going to weigh in. But, yes, okay. um, so Santa Rosa County Animal Services, we're at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida, and that's uh, in Milton, obviously, over by the EOC building. You can also go to our website, santarosa.fl.gov slash animals, and you can call us at 850-983-4680 or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.
1: Sounds good. All right. Let me do a a quick uh, contact information for everybody, and then I'll be right back with uh, some stats and articles and things and thoughts, and we'll just do uh, what we do best. Let me see if I can find where it is here. Where did I put it? I'm moving things around. Um, There we go. Okay. Thank you, Tara. We'll talk to you next week. All
2: right. Thanks. Have a good weekend.
1: See you.
4: You know, Greg?
1: Hold it. Do you know someone who died in a hospital? Did you know that medical errors are the leading cause of death in hospitals? What if I told you you could prevent or protect yourself from hospital death? The founders of Hospital Hostage Hotline and ProtocolKills.com are offering a free upcoming webinar titled, How to Save Your Life When Hospitalized. Here you will learn how to have your choices legally honored, how to prevent unwanted protocols and treatments, how to understand hospital structure, how to stop harassment and bullying. Space is limited, so sign up today at protocolkills.com slash webinar. And if you're thinking, I'll just never go to the hospital, see where that gets you when you've suffered a car wreck, an asthma attack, or a ruptured appendix. It's not just about COVID anymore. So do yourself and your family a favor by knowing how to save your ass by signing up for this free webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Don't miss out. Do it now as if your life depends on it because it does. Reserve your seat to the webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Catch it October 26th 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or October 28th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, so before I get into uh, my discussion uh, for the rest of this half hour, Pianca, you had a question on something? What did you want to bring up?
4: No, I was going to say, you
1: know, people that
4: give so much consideration to the animals are very special. Mm-hmm. Indeed, you know, Absolutely. Every life, from time to time, all life needs help, and uh, you know animals reach out to humans when they get in difficult situation, and you know uh, there's always a human like her that uh, is there to come to the rescue. So that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, it is, and she's been doing it for a long time too. So, so Tara's very knowledgeable. In fact, we made a um, a video for a better part of an hour. Uh, she took me through the whole shelter, uh, talked about all the different departments, the vets, the uh, the cats, the dogs, the staff, and uh, it was really informative. So, if you go to the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter Facebook page, uh, you can see our video. And so it's, it was pretty cool. So, so Tara's Tara's very special. So I'm glad to have her on the show, and hope she'll be with us for a long time. All right, so something happened, I guess uh, yesterday, the day before uh my name is what was, when was it anyway recently the last couple of days that there was another um murder there was a public sh- public murder and i'm going to start changing the name I'm not going to call these mass shootings or gun crimes or gun violence or any of that that's propagandistic language and it takes away it detracts from what's really going on so these are public murders all right it has nothing to do with the guns the guns are just the the, the, the weapon that's used. And so the, there's going to be a predictable pattern. In fact, it's already started. So we have somebody that everybody warned the police about many, many times um, that, uh, that, you know, I think purchased guns legally or, or somehow got their guns. Uh, and then, which is fine. I mean, people purchase guns all the time. But the problem is when they start using them illegally, uh, commit crimes, in this case, murder. And so because it's a large number of murders, that it uh, becomes worldwide news. And then the left comes out and says, well, we have to take guns away from uh, everybody, everybody else. Well, you know, I have so many problems with this, and I don't want to go into the, the same things that we've talked about before, but I want to talk about some new things. And so I had a different take on that, that so let me get the title of the show here today. The, 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 it's not, it's that the guns are not the problem, it's the lack of guns. And, and the title of the show is, our greatest national threat is the lack of Americans carrying guns. And I know that's different than everybody's saying, but that's why I said it, that if we had – we've got 800-some-odd million guns in this country, but how many of them are being carried? I know where they weren't carried. They weren't being carried in Lewiston, Maine. They weren't being carried in the bowling alley. They weren't being carried in, in the bar. They weren't being carried – and I know there are restrictions in Florida. You, you can carry a, bu- a gun into a bar, but you can't sit at the bar. You can sit at a table, you know, like a restaurant kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of weird, uh, but I don't think you should be carrying guns and drinking anyway. <laughs> that's just – that's stupid any more than you should be drinking and driving. Uh, And they're illegal for good reasons. I wouldn't make gun carrying illegal, you know, when drinking. But I'm just saying, you know, have some personal responsibility. But the point is that the more people that are carrying guns, the safer this country is going to be. And the reason we need to carry so many guns is because we have so many criminals. We have such a lack of enforcement of criminals. We have 8 million criminals that the illegal government brought in. And so we have a mass invasion of criminals. And because we have a moral decline, we are not the country we were in the 50s. You know, we have a moral decline. Uh, there was a time, Pianki, and I have talked about this, uh, where you could, uh, you know, they would take guns on the subways in New York to, to New York high schools for a rifle practice in the basement. You know, people had guns on their, on their pickup trucks. Not only was that not a problem, people didn't steal them either. You could leave your pickup truck, you know, windows down, and people would not reach in and grab your gun. Now, sure. So we have, we have these factors all coming together. We have a a lax criminal enforcement problem. We have a moral problem. We have a decay of morals. We have a decay of of God and religion and personal accountability and personal responsibility. We have an increase in drugs. We have an increase in everything from ADHD drugs to vaccinations to antidepressant drugs to trans-puberty-blocking drugs to all kinds of other psychotropics and things like that. These are all creating monsters. So all these things are combining together. Now, we cannot individually right away change the moral character of this country. Be nice. We cannot change the laws and get rid of the, the unconstitutional gun laws. That would be nice, too. We can't. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can't do. We can't stop the, the invasion by this illegal government because the people that can stop it aren't stopping the invasion and they're not stopping the illegal government. So the only thing left for us to do is to defend ourselves and have as many people carrying guns as possible. That is the only conclusion I came to, uh, and that this becomes actually a national security threat because the government, with this invading army, is invading our country. And they're doing everything from lowering wages to to burdening our schools, to burdening our highways, to burdening our housing, to uh, creating all kinds of problems. And the biggest one, of course, is violent crime. Anybody that's killed by an illegal alien uh, is a crime that was preventable directly preventable by that illegal alien not being here. And so these factors are all combining together. And we're going to talk about this more and more. But uh, this is not, you know, a problem of guns. This is not a problem of gun control. This is not a problem of gun registration. This is not a problem of background checks. This is not a problem of the CDC, you know, doing personality profiles. It's not a mental health problem either. And that's a, that's a trap. And I want to warn people about this. this. is a very big problem. If you get into this idea that, oh, if we just cure the mental health problems, if we, if we just find people ahead of time, you know, this gets into uh, the whole idea of prior restraint. We're going to stop you from a crime that we think you might do in the future, maybe. Okay? That's, that's a minority report. That's Tom Cruise kind of stuff. You can't do that. You can't do that in a free society. Oh, gee, but it might be more dangerous. Well, it might be, but it's not the guns and the gun ownership that's causing the problems. It's the criminals, it's the leftism, it's the Marxism, it's the drugs, it's the lack of moral character we used to have. It's all kinds of things, but it's not the gun itself.
4: Well, beautifully said.
1: Thank you. I just and made I that agree up. I I <laughs> literally made it up. You know, yeah, I, I was thinking, wondering, uh-huh.
4: what was the circumstances of how these shootings went down? Was, they, uh, was there people watching him shoot? And then it goes back to what you just got through stating Nobody in that town had guns on them in Mm -hmm. order to protect themselves and others around them that was being assaulted.
1: Yeah, they can. Uh, Maine's an open carry state as far as I know. Hey, John's on the line. John DeMonica, you want to join us early? I know you're listening, but uh, don't worry about the time. Just call now if you want to. I mean, feel free. Uh, and I'll just, uh, I'll talk to Candy when she comes on and, and just uh, talk to her directly for a while. And then I'll bring everybody back in. But uh, this is, you know, this, this this deserves a long discussion. But as far as I know, Maine, uh, from and again, I'm just going by news reports. Maine is pretty open about uh, firearms. Vermont is the most open. They've never had a concealed carry license permit law. And they've got, they've always had open carry. You know, and so and but people say, well, that's a a homogeneous population, which is code for it's a bunch of white people. But if you get a bunch of white people together, you generally have a a pretty peaceful place. You know, maybe our RFD was pretty much, you know, stereotypical. It was a 1950s white community. Uh, So that's no excuse. So you can't say there are other factors involved, of course. But the point is that, you know, dismissing Vermont simply because, you know, it's a bunch of uh, frozen New England white people uh, is not a reason. It's It's the attitude. It's the attitude. They don't have the victim mentality, which means the entitlement mentality. The flip side, the flip side of victimhood is, meant, uh, uh, is entitlement. And if you feel entitled to do anything, that's where the problems come in. Bianca, let me get your take on that, and then I'll, uh, I'll get to John, who's on the line here.
4: Hey, you keep, you keep explaining things like that. I can go back to sleep. Don't have to get up. To
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's actually a really nice compliment. I appreciate it. Um, John, what do you think? How am I doing? Making sense? Great so far. Um, Okay. You're right about
5: Maine, though it is a uh, permitless carry state, yeah. so they can carry concealed. But so it they also can. doesn't okay.
1: restrict. All right. Yeah, but it
5: doesn't restrict. Well, here's my fascination: um, carrying sure. guns and bars, either.
1: Oh, they don't. Yeah, I interrupted no. you. I'm sorry. Why don't you? I, I get kind of excited when I get on a, on a roll like this. So, so explain Maine gun laws from what you know of them. That'd be interesting.
5: You no, know, from what I know is it's permitless carry, so they can carry concealed without a permit. Um, mm-hmm. The only restrictions on that are. Schools, K through twelve, college campuses, uh, state capitals, and some demonstrations, I think. But pretty much everything else is allowed. So Why I can't you carry in government were,
1: buildings? I mean, the government buildings are like uh, so. I, What's yeah,
5: the difference? I think they should be able to. Well, I think yeah. that they probably think that there's going to someone's going to go postal in a government building, so they're afraid of it.
1: Well, then you do something about it. You prevent it. <laughs> you know, you have people carrying guns. You know, well, and this is the interesting thing. The whole, the whole. Well, tell me what you know about prior restraint. In other words, uh, like red flag laws and things like that. Uh, and then we'll get into the mental health aspect. But the idea of, of uh, arresting people or seizing their property for what you think they might do in the future, anyway, this seems to me so blatantly unconstitutional um, as to be as to be a, a huge, massive uh, problem. That uh, it's it's not. You just can't do it. John, what do you think? Yeah,
5: agreed. Uh, no, absolutely, 100%. The red flag laws are wholly unconstitutional. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to put it in context to Maine, though, Maine has a what they call the yellow flag law.
1: Yeah, what's the difference? I heard about this too last night for uh, the first time.
5: Red flag laws, from my understanding, is it, the individual citizen could call up on Greg Penglis and say, he's crazy, he's got issues, we think he's in mm-hmm. danger everybody, and then the police mm-hmm. could act, essentially, mm-hmm. without a hearing without any paperwork, they could just basically seize your guns and then solve it later, which is your preemptive, you
1: know, yes, prior it's unconstitutional. Right. It can't be done. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't, Yeah, you can't seize property for what you think people might do in the future. Maybe now, of course, the question is, well, what if they commit a crime? Well, what if they commit a crime? I mean, how many, how many drunk drivers do we stop ahead of time? How many bank robbers do we stop ahead of time? How many people do we seize their cars? so They don't speed. We don't because in a free society, you don't stop people for what they might do. Otherwise, the government can stop anybody for anything, and we're not. And we're not here to protect the criminals. We're here to protect the honest people, the law-abiding citizen. We're here to protect the, the government's here to protect the rights, the individual citizens responsible for protecting themselves. And that's the critical difference. So you don't protect. You know, the government has no business trying to prevent something that they think might happen. It takes away all our freedoms. The government's job is to protect our freedoms. It's up to us to protect ourselves. And that that clear difference sort of negates this whole chat about well we need more gun laws we need more of this we need more of that because you know you're, you're not going to pre- and we all know the argument right because you're not going to prevent uh, criminals from doing things that's what makes them criminals the laws don't they don't care about the laws so the only people you're going to prevent are the people that you shouldn't you're not allowed to touch anyway because of the Second Amendment Second Amendment precludes everything that's about to happen here so it, there's not even a reason for discussion you know I don't this is why I don't discuss gun control laws very often because they're automatically unconstitutional. Because the government is prohibited from making gun control laws. That's what the Second Amendment is. Laws govern people. Constitutions govern government. That's how it works. And people just don't understand that clear delineation. They don't understand uh, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about here. But you cannot solve one problem by creating another one. You cannot solve crime by doing things to people that didn't commit the crime. That's insane. That's like curing a cold by treating, I don't know, dengue fever. Okay. You know, it's, it's 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 two totally unrelated things. It's surrealistic after a while. Well, we're going to stop uh, crime by uh, increasing the, uh, the the strawberry uh, crop. What? <laughs> you know, anyway. But you know where I'm going with this, John, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I okay.
5: I, I agree completely. But I also mm-hmm. think that, you know, Maine had the, Maine's law is a little different as far as the red flag, mm-hmm. yellow flag goes in the sense that they can call the police out. The police will do an evaluation but mm-hmm. the only way they can actually write paper and seize anybody's property is if they are taken to a medical practitioner for an evaluation and that practitioner deems them a danger to themselves or someone else, which is so uh, let
1: me ask, Yeah, go ahead. No finish. I'm but sorry. It,
5: I, I understand it, but if you look at this case is, well, it's a real world example, right? So people always say, well, you're already extreme. Well, this was the extreme by definition was a danger to himself and someone else. He was hearing voices that were telling him to kill people. And then he was hearing mm. the same voices that were telling him that he was going to be killed and had killed those people at the mm-hmm. two locations that he shot up. Mm-hmm. So it was very specific. He was under evaluation. So with this law in place, they dropped the ball or something else
1: happened here. But Well, I heard he was I, in two I, weeks because the insurance ran out and that's why they let him out. You get, like, two yeah, that makes sure Regardless, <laughs> yeah. I think
5: that, so. Regardless, he had to be on somebody's radar. This this would be a separate topic for his, whether they allowed this to happen or not. But getting back to your point about preemptively taking someone's rights, the the Supreme Court is actually hearing a case on this right now.
4: Uh-huh. Um, Which one? U.S. Is it?
5: versus uh, it's uh, United States versus uh, Zaki Rahimi. What happened was Rahimi is basically a bad guy. Just a dirtbag, drug dealer, evil person. But instead of charging illegal him with crimes,
1: illegal uh, not, alien? I don't
5: think he's an illegal alien, but just, okay, just curious. evil in general. Yeah. But instead of charging him with the crimes and convicting him, what they did is they got a uh, domestic violence restraining order against him, and then they seized his guns.
1: So now here's the thing I don't understand. Uh, if you're seizing guns, I want to read an article before Kanye gets here. If you're seizing guns, are you seizing vehicles?
5: Right. No, I, 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 I agree.
1: Are you seizing knives? Are you seizing no, baseball bats, drain though, cleaner, is, and, uh, and chainsaws?
5: No, I, absolutely. Anything can be used as a tool, but they're using the so, domestic so violence the, laws and right. these restraining orders to seize people's guns preemptively. in, in See, a That's wrong. Make, 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 that's yeah. wrong. That is. So it's the same thing. No, I agree, but that's the same thing they're doing right now with the red yeah. flag laws.
1: The same well, thing I know. Well that's what we're wrong. Laws, yeah. really. Yeah. That's yeah. why the Constitutional,
5: but it would be interesting yeah. to see what the Supreme Court decides on
1: that. Uh, no, it would be well, interesting to see what Supreme we decide court. on it. <laughs> that's more important. Yeah, I don't care so. about the court. Go ahead, Jackie. Yeah, the Supreme Court
4: may decide, but that's the, – the, the the people that's asking don't have to abide. But a U.S. citizen has to have due process before you can go about relieving them of their freedoms and taking yeah. a person to a evaluation to a – a psychic, that's not really due process. The due process has to be administered by a court of law yeah. and the results given to the court of law and the judge being hands down what the outcome should be.
1: Yeah. Let me let um, me uh, say something really controversial. It's, it's really not the government's place to be in the business of, quote, preventing crime, of stopping people from what they might do because the only thing they can do is restrict people's freedom. And that's not the point. Uh, and that's, that's where the problems come in. And so it's really, it, it's a, it, it's, it, that's not the solution. In a free society, you can't have the government deciding who can own guns. You can't have the government deciding who's mentally healthy or who's not. You know, it's very complex. And does that mean that people are going to commit crimes? Well, so they're going to commit the crimes anyway. So the best thing you can do is give the greatest freedom to people so they the best chance of protecting themselves. Let me, let me change things around a little bit here because we know the arguments. Uh, what do you think uh, – we, we know the United States is the, the country with the, the greatest amount of guns in civilian hands, as this article says from Forbes magazine. How many guns do you think they say? Approximately. How many guns are in America right now? Ballpark. Probably close to 400 million. Yeah, you're right on. Yes, like 393. Yeah, this is by <laughs> Niall McCarthy, former contributor – uh, N-I-A-L-L. And this is Forbes magazine. The article is dated. Uh, I think it was back during the Trump days. It's uh, October 14th, 2020. Right before the uh, the election was stolen. So it's a pretty good source of information. Okay, so so America, the United States has the largest amount of civilian guns. 393,300,000, approximately. <laughs> What's the second greatest uh, civilian gun ownership country? I uh, don't believe this. No, China's third, but that's a really good. Why did you say China? I'm curious. China's a communist country. Why would they have the civilian guns? Oh, I took a good question. Oh. I just think that they probably,
5: um, as a communist country, they, I think there's so many guns in that country illegally
1: and legally that they think they have the control they have, but they really don't. Well, if they have that many guns, why why do they have a communist party? If you got, they've got, no, uh, no, well, they've got. Fifty million guns in China. Fifty million. Sure. Sure, but right. the difference between China and us is we
5: have 400 million. Really. Yeah. The fact that we have that many guns is the only thing keeping the barbarians outside the gate.
1: Well, fifty million no, that's not guns. Sure. The bar- when, are, when you... barbarians are inside the gate. The barbarians. We got 8 million <laughs> barbarians inside the gate. Uh, I, well, I I disagree, sir. <laughs> <laughs> But what's the second enough. country?
5: How about, how about the, the vast majority of barbarians?
1: <laughs> is that better?
5: Yeah. Um, uh, so, no, I, I don't think the vast majority if you of... compare the – the difference is I think that the Communist Party is willing to use overwhelming force to obliterate all of them, and people are still t- living in fear.
1: You know, and I wonder how many of those the, those 50 million gun owners are actual members of the Chinese Communist Party, in which case the government's sanctioning it, which might skew our figures. The second greatest country. Sure, well, is, absolutely. Yeah. And, and
5: plus the, it, the type of weapons available. Oh, right? do You tell. look at the type of weapons. If you're looking at an aged AK-47 from the you know, 20s or 30s versus mm-hmm. a modern warfare weapon that the government possesses, it makes it a lot more difficult.
1: Oh, I don't know that AJ 47. If it, especially if it has uh, select fire, you know, full auto, is still probably a pretty good weapon. I would, I would take a 1920s. Well, oh, no, they weren't in the 20s. No, no. Kalashnikov invented it uh, well, like right after World War II. So I think it was 47. Sure, still a pretty good weapon. Yeah. The second country is India. 71 wow. million guns. Now, how many mass public shootings have you heard in, in India, or as I'm calling them, public murders?
5: Yeah, I couldn't think of one.
1: I can't think of any. So India, now that they've got a billion people, but that's not the point. With 71 million guns in civilian hands in India, if guns were the problem, they'd have mass public shootings all the time. That's a lot of guns. That's a lot of people. A billion people? Wouldn't be hard to get one of those guns if you've got 70 million of them running around. Here's the fourth country. Well, take a guess. Just guess. Just guess. No idea. Russia. Pakistan. Uh Ah. Well, that's 44 million guns. Now, that could be militias. It could be terrorist groups. I have no idea. Right. This is just what I'm reading this thing. Russia's fifth with 17 million. Brazil, 17 million. Mexico, 16 million. But Mexican civilians can't own guns. So So who's got these 16 million guns? Germany has 15 million. Yemen has 14, has 15 million. Saudi Arabia has 5 million. These are the most restrictive countries on earth. (laughs) And they they say they have only civilian guns. This doesn't make sense to me. but This is what's being reported in the article. Interesting gun
5: problem. Apply that to us. We have 400 million million guns in our country. But relatively speaking, if you take those Mm -hmm. numbers and divide it by the amount of shootings we have, fairly small.
1: Mm
5: -hmm. I mean, we're talking hundreds of a percent.
1: So we, so for the percentage of guns that we own, for the amount of guns that we own, as civilians, we, despite the fact that there are public murders, we just had one, but statistically, we have a, a smaller percentage of crimes of people using guns uh, than uh, than countries that have far fewer guns. Cause we have so many, yeah. four hundred million guns divided by, you know, four or five public shootings per year, that's a very small percentage.
4: Well, how many people did he shoot?
1: They killed eighteen, I think. Oh, hell they yeah, killed more than forty something. They well, had forty more than
4: in Chicago every weekend.
1: Well, yeah, we we lose twenty-two veterans a day to suicide. We lost a million people to government COVID. So, if you and I wrote this on Facebook, I said, "Look, if you want to talk about a, a, an assault, weapon, the greatest assault. Weapon is the federal government. Twenty-two veterans per day commit suicide, which is horrible." Um, Doctor fascist and the and the health professionals, big pharma, big tech. Big tech suppressing information. Big pharma pushing out uh, a bogus vaccine, killed over a million people, and they're still killing people. So you can't compare the million people that the government killed over COVID, plus all the lives lost, the suicides, the assaults, uh, the sexual assaults, the the, the depressions, the, uh, the the alcohol, the drug abuse, the lost businesses, the lost fortunes. The the, the the problems that government caused with COVID, plus all the inflation we have now for borrowing seven trillion dollars. So the difference between the mass public shooting, which everybody knows about, and the, and the amount of people that government has killed or hurt, I mean, th- this is nothing. I mean, it is something if you're one of those people, obviously. But in the grand scheme of things, compared to how much harm the government has done to every citizen in this country, because we're all affected by inflation, it's, it's, the, the government is our biggest enemy by far. It's not some crazy person who, who could have been stopped easily by one sane person. Sure. Right. But it's about control. Ah, would you care to expand Same on the conversation
5: sir? we had last week? Same conversation yeah. we had last week. It's all about control. Yeah. It's yeah. not about solving the problem. It's about one. The appearance is like you're doing something. And mm-hmm. two, it's about control. So Maine's a good example. Maine's completely controlled by the left. Completely. The governor, the oh, HB, secretary of state, both houses,
1: mm-hmm. all yeah. of it. The senators.
5: But the first, yeah, absolutely. First thing out of their mouth
1: mm-hmm. is we need to take guns away. Why? Because that's about control. But they didn't pay, need to take guns away the day before this happened. They may never notice that. They've been
5: trying. They've been trying for years. Every time this happens, you try. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, it looks like to, I got go Canadian go the um, Yeah, go ahead. Well, the, the one lady in Maryland that uh, I know she messaged you on the Facebook was talking about her state just passed a bunch of gun control measures. Oh. That was two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make candy time live, too. And uh, John called in. Actually, John was on Messenger early, so I invited him to call in early. So it's, Derek was, was off today. So uh, today's kind of a crazy day. But hopefully, you, you know, you're both welcome to stay uh, the whole rest of the show because we have some things to talk about. I want to read some of this article first so before we get going. Uh, let's just check. Candy, do you have to go right to the bottom of the hour or do you have some extra time?
3: Um, I have a little bit of extra time. Sure.
1: All right. Let me go through this real quickly then. So this is an article in The National Interest. It's a very pretentious title for a website, July 10th, 2020. So again, back in the good old days when Trump was uh, uh, in the White House. 400 million guns. America is the most heavily armed country on the planet. And then it says, let's cut through some of the background noise. Uh, And this actually is a pretty good article for the most part. Uh, let's, uh, Let's see if I can get to the stuff where they start talking about... Good stuff. Um, eh, Hang on here. This is – oh, here we go. So the questions are, is white nationalism driving these shootings? Is mental health a factor or just a distraction from the real problem of guns? Is the answer universal background checks or banning so-called assault weapons or implementing red flag laws? Now, this article and a couple of other articles I've already posted on the, the Action Radio Gun. Uh, projects, so you can find them here. So what they want to do is try and cut through the noise. And they actually make some good points here. It says there are an estimated 400 million privately owned firearms in the United States, with somewhere between one-third and one-half of American households owning at least one gun. Well, all those households aren't committing crimes, and they're not, having, uh, you know, they're not uh, doing all kinds of nasty stuff. So we've got a lot of guns that, uh, that are doing a lot of good. Then it says in the past few decades, the number of guns in this country has increased significantly, and the rates of gun ownership have remained consistent. More Americans than ever have concealed carry permits and carry on a regular basis. My contention is not enough did, especially in Lewiston, Maine, or any of these other places where these things are happening. Then it says, yet we are in a decade of historically low rates of violent crime. Let me say that again. We are in a decade of historically low rates of violent crime, with homicide rates and gun-related homicide rates falling to half what they were at their peak in the early 1990s. John, can you confirm that? Uh, Sounds right to me,
5: but I don't remember part of me.
1: Okay. Then it says, unfortunately, too few Americans are aware of this reality. Americans use their firearms literally countless numbers of times each year for lawful purposes, such as hunting and recreational target shooting. More importantly, as the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported in 2013, <laughs> almost all major studies – yeah, you're laughing already. I heard you there. Almost all major studies <laughs> defensive gun uses have concluded that Americans use their firearms in defense of themselves or others between 500,000 and 3 million times every year, far outpacing the number of times firearms are used to harm innocent people. Candy. Agreed. Yeah.
3: Um. And, that, and that's the part you never hear about because it doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that irritates me because, in a nutshell, those of us who conceal carry, who uh, enjoy the firearm sports, we just want to be left alone. We really do. We mind yeah. our business. We really wish you would mind yours. And last I checked, not a single one of my SIGs jumped out of the safe and just up and decided to start killing people. It, it, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. And every time we have one of these heinous acts occurs, their immediate knee-jerk response is, take the guns away, put down more laws. Well, guess what? Last I checked, mm. um, killing someone is a crime. That law mm. has been on the books how long?
1: Ten Commandments. And
3: adding more laws to that. <laughs> is, I know, right? Since I, I don't know a society that there legalized murder. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But it, they they keep wanting to reinvent the wheel. But we yeah. already have laws on the books saying that everything these cowards do is already illegal. How can you make something that's illegal more illegal? Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it that exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me. That makes no sense to me and it infuriates me because all you're doing, because we go back to that common statement, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with the gun. So why are you hamstringing the good guy (laughs) or girl? Why are you hamstringing us? Why are are you doing that? It makes no sense.
1: Yeah, let me hold you up and play your theme now that you're here. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta hold up I know, this article. Right? It's, is back. Yeah, it, it, it's Friday. I don't care. We're having fun. Uh, actually, we pretty much know, do this every right? day. We always yeah, have yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I gotta get a theme for John. I apologize, John. I've been I've been swamped. We have a new uh, Citizen Legislation Day that's been taking up a lot of my time. But uh, let's. Uh, this is what I made for Candy. You're gonna get a kick out of this. And here we go. Every once in a while, you run across someone who doesn't quite fit the image of who you expect. And sometimes you get totally surprised. This is one of those times. Candy Petticord is a facilitator of A Girl and a Gun, a state leader, DC Project Women for Gun Rights, a training coordinator, Buckeye Farms Association, a board member of Faster Save Lives, an NRA Life member and training counselor, and a USCCA instructor. And for the rest of the story, you'll just have to listen to Candy Petticard, because this is the Black Mama Bear Gun Report on Action Radio. I just love saying that.
0: Yeah, baby.
1: I get such a kick out of that. Yes, we're the only show in the world that has a Black Mama Bear Gun Report. Guarantee it. I
3: know, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My
1: husband still cringes every time I say that. Well, be <laughs> there sometime, over it, baby. Yeah, <laughs> get over it, dude. You know, it's. just I'm sorry. This I know. Is right? a, this is one of these independent marriage moments. You know, it's just. I, I'm keeping it. I don't care what he says. I'm sorry. You know, much of the respect I have for you. This, like, no, no, we're keeping that. You know, but uh, we're that's keeping gonna be, that uh, one,
4: homie.
1: we absolutely keeping it. So, so I have to make something for John too. Probably be maybe not quite that uh, out there, but we'll see. John's, John's a more conservative, respectable <laughs> not respectable, but uh, you know, just a slightly more reserved person. Candy, you're out there. Let's be honest, you're out there, <laughs> which is I
3: know uh, people. Yeah. People see me. I mean, even my name. And then mm-hmm. when people see me, you can you can literally see it on their face. <gasps> you're black. <laughs>
1: You're black? Um, Nobody tells me anything. Oh, my God, you're black? I mean, really? Oh, Oh gee, what am I going to do now? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And and
3: it's so funny because they never say it, but it's Mm -hmm. all over their face. Really? Even if they talk to me on the phone, because my kids laugh at me all the time. Uh They're like, Mom. You were using
1: your white girl voice again. <laughs> oh, what's your, oh, come on. Let me hear your oh, white girl voice. Because I, you know, it's, okay. uh, and I don't, I don't mean to be stereotypical, but uh, if, if I have never seen Pianchi's picture, I'd know he was black. That, that voice is so characteristic. It's classic. If, you, if I never saw your picture, I'd know you were black. And I, I don't know how to say that, and I'm not trying to be racist or stereotypical, but they're different voices. I mean, I'm sure I sound like a white guy. Pretty much guarantee it. Right? However... If <laughs> if I let me hear your
3: uh-huh Now, if I were to reach out to you and I was uh-huh. to say, I've heard a lot about you and I would love to participate in your online forum, would you be willing to have us sit down and have a conversation about me being on your podcast with you?
1: That's really good. That is a good thing. Now, don't I you sound so white. Yeah, That's hysterical. That's really good. Did you I practice do,
3: that? I, uh, no, I just did that right now. I just did that right off the top. I do it all good. the time. Oh, my and god! I'm sure. You know that's what? Funny. There's uh-huh. a skill to it. it it's uh-huh. called baffling them with BS. Yeah. And the more mm. big words you can throw in there, the more people are like, ooh, ah.
1: And mm. two...
3: Um, embarrassed to admit that they have no clue what you're talking about, but it always <laughs> sounds so good.
1: This is funny. We should get into gun psychology. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I try to be disarming too. I like I'll ask really nasty questions in a very nice way, and and people are, like don't I know right. It's like, I can't believe you asked me that. What do I do now? Because uh, I'm like, nice, sweet little voice. Like, you know, are you sure you, 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 you know, tell us why exactly you believe in mass murder, you know, or, or genocide. And I'll just say it in a really nice way. It's like, what are people going to do? That's funny. But it's the first time you heard me say, hey, we're going to have a marvelous chat today. This is a, a wonderful place. Uh, so welcome to the BBC. And we're going to discuss the, the gun problem in the United States today. You'd think I was British, maybe. At least I hope so. <laughs> Voices are powerful. <laughs> That's why radio is so much fun.
4: But you know, uh, there's about forty black gun clubs in the United States, of which two or at least three are all female. One is uh, We Pack Heat uh-huh. and uh, Foxy Mamas.
1: Yeah, they don't Ooh, sound like white I groups. To to <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, just, I'm, I'm having too much fun with this today. <laughs> That's no. This actually, I mean, we should. We, I think we've talked about this in the past. That the fastest growing. Uh, gun ownership groups and gun clubs and uh, uh, competitors are, are women, black women. Um, I'd be curious what the immigrant uh, rate is of folks that come to this country. That'd be interesting too, especially from places where they don't have gun ownership, like you know the entire rest of the world. I wanted to look up Switzerland because uh, I think the situation there has changed, but uh, I didn't get time. I didn't think of it in time before the show. Kenny, why do you go ahead and tell us what's on your mind, and we can uh, we can talk about a few things I want to talk to both of you about.
3: Mm, um. I had something just a second ago, and it it slipped out of my mind. Oh, there it is. Um, Okay, (laughs) so I find it very interesting, and it can be taken one of two ways. Remember how I told you, like a lot of people, when they talk to me on the phone, they already have this this image in their mind, and then Hmm. when they see me, it kind of just totally blows that image right out of the water. Well, Mm -hmm. that can either be a bad thing or it can be a really good thing. Mm -hmm. So last night, I actually uh, took that. That's what it was. You were talking about how we sound. Last night, I did a presentation for my girl and a gun lady, and I was using my school teacher voice, my my, my white girl voice.
1: Your white voice. (laughs) You can say it on the show. It's okay.
3: My white girl voice. (laughs) And I was doing that because we were talking about um, proxemics and relative space and all that good stuff. Speed and works. when I, I know, right? There you go. <laughs> so when I got to a certain point, mm-hmm. the, the black girl voice came out because I was uh, using examples with the lady. And I said, okay, so you're standing next to a stranger in a bus stop. You're going to be kind of close to each other because you're both waiting for the bus. Are you okay with that? Well, yeah, I'm okay with that. We're both waiting for the bus, but you're going to be more aware of that person. If they do, like, a furtive movement or something like that, you're going to be more aware of that. Well, we had a picture on the screen of this guy who had his arms out, and he was screaming, and he's obviously running at you. So I asked the ladies, how would you handle that? And this one lady said, well, I would ask him what's going on because I'm confused. <laughs> and I said, "Hun, you <laughs> you're not getting it, hon. He's yep. charging at you. He's screaming. Yep. He's got his arms out. You don't know what's going on. How are you going to respond to that? And she said, well, I would stop him and ask him. What, what what's going on? And so I stood there and I looked at her and I went, Girlfriend, you ain't got time to be asking him what's going on all oh, charging at you. What you gonna do?
0: And then like, Oh, okay,
3: now I get it. Like, I have to throw some pista up in there before she realized this is a situation you need an immediate response to. You are not going to say, Excuse me, sir. Would you please elaborate on why you are being so <laughs> I It's like, no. This is so funny. You're going to be like, homie, you better back off.
1: Yeah, take cover. That's hysterical. You know, it's like you can put the white voice in, in the black girl, but you can't take the black voice out of the black girl. It's really funny. No,
3: you cannot, That's... especially when the black girl gets picked. Oh, that comes out quicker than a heart attack, dude. It's like, you better get up off me. <laughs>
1: but you know what? Do you know how effective that is, though? Because it's very effective. You, yeah. I mean, the contrast and is, is you dramatic. You know what? For me, uh-huh. yeah. for
3: me, it's especially effective because I don't swear. I never That's interesting. I, yeah, never I don't either. I never say a swear word.
1: It's not effective. I, I
3: don't see the point of it. Yeah, I don't uh-huh. see the yeah. point of it because so many people use it so much nowadays, it's lost uh-huh. its effectiveness. It really has.
1: Yeah, almost the more effective what, not swearing. For me is, Yeah yes.
3: Yeah, and when I go from my nice, calm, sweet white girl voice to my, you better back <laughs> off, flat girl voice, that Black t- Mama is Bear. far more effective, yes, than
1: yeah. cussing up yeah. somebody. You need a t-shirt that says that, Black Mama Bear Gun Report or something like that. We've got to get you a logo. And uh, we we should all have t-shirts for our different reports. That would be hysterical. I don't know what mine would that be. That would be I mean, awesome.
0: Well,
1: it would be awesome. Yeah, well, well we have a graphic artist. So we'll, t- we'll talk to Wendy about that. In fact, we have our new flyer for our Citizen <gasps> Legislation I mean, Day. Yeah, okay. Well, when he made our Citizen Legislation Day flyer, which you're all, I have a, a press release, I'll be sending out uh, tomorrow sometime. All right, I want to talk to both of you about this, but Candy, particularly because you have limited time right now, uh, mental health. Uh, I can see I make a this, comment this... on the?
5: Can I make a comment oh, yes, on the uh, communication aspect?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really like great a point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. You well, sound so, like a white
5: guy. A couple yeah, things. Uh, one is, you know, hey, good morning. That white girl voice <laughs> that uh, Candy uses—they call that cultural appropriation.
1: Oh, yeah. so that's interesting. I didn't yeah. think of that. That's a good point. Right. Yep. Okay.
5: But oh. on a side note, but anyway, the, the bad guys aren't like us. They don't communicate on the same level. Communication is a two-way street. They have to receive the message and understand it for it to be effective. And if you speak to them like they're a normal, civilized human being, they're not going to understand it. It's like you're speaking Chinese to them. Interesting. They don't Correct. get it. So hmm. bad guys, you know, they use the F word like a punctuation mark.
1: <laughs> That's a good line, too. He's right. That's very true right? Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, absolutely. But if, oh,
5: if, yeah. if you're afraid to drop an F-bomb in something or in a sentence when you're trying to get someone to get away from you or calm the situation down or ma- manage the situation, then you're not going to get that message across, and they're never going to understand it. Right? It's, so it's, it's your BBC voice versus, mm-hmm. hey, step back.
1: Yeah. Right. No, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to use those words. In fact, I used to work with a bunch of Teamsters and I would do it just for effect because I didn't use those words. And they had 10 times more effects I so one guy I said, without the without the F-bomb, I said, you'd be mute. Everybody looked at him like, oh, that's a good line, <laughs> you know, so, so clever works. But yeah. I mean, if necessary, I'll be dropping F-bombs all day in people's faces. I don't care, but I just don't find it effective in normal communication like we're doing now. We're all talking to each other as civilized people. And so, as opposed no, to I dealing with, the, with an insane criminal, that's a really good point you're making. No, I, uh, I agree completely. But Candace's um, example
5: of the woman in her class is a perfect example. Is uh-huh. she would never even think to drop an F bomb because that's not in her program. Right. She can't even recognize Correct. the situation, let alone use that kind of language. Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. So we tell people and all the time. Look, it's okay to that drop all those all the things.
3: time. No, go ahead, John. I'm sorry.
5: No, no, that's okay. We tell people all the time. Look, it's not in your nature. But it's necessary in that environment, so they understand the situation. They understand what you're saying. That was all I was going to say.
1: Yeah, and it's like people who've well, been through prison have instant reaction time and to, to crime. They know what's going on. They will know what the threats are because they've seen them so many times. I would imagine that's like you know. Different. Go ahead, Candy. I'm sorry. What were you saying?
3: No, that's fine, um, John. I love what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. And our ladies, um, I'm actually. <laughs> I'm actually considering doing a class, believe it or not, mm-hmm. simply because our ladies, they not only do they not have the language, they don't even have the voice for it. Because last night during my class, as you can tell, I'm already getting excited about it. I'm screaming at you guys. I don't mean to. But That's last okay. night class, there were like three or four times for emphasis that I was yelling at the top of my lungs. And you saw the ladies and they're, you know, they chuckled quietly and they were a little nervous about it and all that. But there's some that I'm looking at in the room. If someone were charging at them, oh my, oh my. They would never think of, get away from me. They would never <laughs> think of the that. And it's th- just th- like, oh, friend, this fool is charging at you. What are you, what are you doing? You know, and I also tell them if, Swearing is not in your vocabulary. Hun, Mm -hmm. don't try to do that at some guy with a knife because all he's going to do is giggle while he's stabbing you. It's not going to work. You need to come up with what's going to work for you. Now, just because I don't swear doesn't mean I can't swear, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I cannot cuss you under the table. But I Mm -hmm. choose not to. Now, you come after one of my babies. Not only am I gonna be cussing you out while I'm taking you out, that's how we gonna roll. So yeah, it, I, it's almost I, like a you're gonna see a side of candy you've never seen before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be sugar and candy. It's gonna be yeah, it's, <laughs> we're talking cyanide. Yeah, anyway, um, not it's almost much, like
0: yeah.
1: uh, well, we should talk about language as a concealed weapon. It's really kind of interesting uh, the use of language, and especially this is why I love being on radio. Because we, you know, we don't have we don't have faces. We're just going by voices. Um, But uh, it's almost like you should offer a swearing class. Just get up and get all the women, especially um, to swear their head off just just for the practice. It might be interesting. Uh, And then one more question. I want to talk about mental health for a minute. The uh, do you see a a, kind of like a a white guilt thing where uh, white women want to understand the the Hispanic person racing at them? Uh, and And not yeah. feel racist by by questioning them saying well i don't want to be prejudiced you know as a person with the machete yeah. is you know screaming at me from uh, Honduras, you know so I mean is, is that an issue?
3: Yes, it is, and I see it all the time, and it drives me insane because mm-hmm. don't care they don't care if you're racist, all they see you as is prey, you are yeah. praying to them that is it they don't care if you are a culturally appropriate prey they don't care you are prey (laughs) i don't give a flip if i'm offending that asian guy or that hispanic guy or that black guy or that white guy guess what i am about to brutally offend you because i'm about to smoke you i don't Mm. care who you are and that's what these ladies need to understand they and and it's it's intentional on the part of the media and everyone else to have you second-guessing everything you're doing, which is why us being out there and training people is so important. We have to train people and get them to understand that the reason you train and the reason you practice is so you know yourself, you Mm -hmm. know the law, and you know your defensive mechanism, whatever that might be, so on that day, that horrible day, you will not second-guess yourself and potentially cost yourself your life.
1: Yeah, I wonder if the, the government secretly thinks that even training in guns or the psychology of guns or the independence of the fact that we do have the power of life and, and death to defend ourselves, if that is just as much a threat to them as the gun ownership itself. Yep. Yeah, of course. The fact, okay.
3: the fact that we're independent thinkers that we think outside the box, that yep. we're not trusting on the government to take care of us. Yeah, <laughs> that we're, we're a threat. We are because, yep. no, yep. I, I don't want your handout because mm-hmm. I don't care what they say. Anything free, quote-unquote, that you get from the government is not free. Yep. All of us who work and pay taxes, we are paying for that. So there's, there's no freebies with the government. There's always a cost and there's always a catch. No, you keep your government stuff. I don't want it.
1: You know, it's interesting that uh, of all the rights, uh, this is probably the, the most of the universal rights. I mean, everybody, uh, it's it, there's no nationality, culture, religion. There's no, you know, special interest group. There's nothing when it comes to firearms. It's universal in this country. And I think that's another thing, too. It's a really unifying force when you think of all the different groups that are coming together, of of the separation by government, the, the segregation of this country that, uh, you know, really got going under Obama again. You know, people that don't look like you, you don't like them. Give me a break. That's, that's That's an irrational statement, um, but it's just it 's interesting how these things have been divided up uh, let 's talk about health for a bit because I see this as a trap. I see this as a huge trap that uh, if, if the the, uh, the people who are trying to defend against the coming you know illegal gun restrictions, they say well we'll just make mental health laws tougher we'll put more restrictions we'll check people out more we'll make sure that if they have uh, as John was saying earlier about uh, domestic violence. Uh, or, or what what do they call restraining orders that uh you know we can just expand that to, to guns. And they don't take away chainsaws, they don't take away, you know, pickups. They don't take away, you know, you know, large heavy vehicles. They don't take away baseball bats, drain cleaners, screwdrivers, they don't take away, you know, steak knives or any of these things. Hedge trimmers. They don't take away anything that I mean potentially I I, I watched John Wick, you know, you can kill with a pencil. Uh they don't they I was only take say, away
3: hedge trimmers? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Why don't I say, I'm on a roll. You know, let me Keep me going here. You know? I know, right? But yeah. You've
3: been thinking about this. Gary.
1: No, not the Hedge Trimmer. But I'm just thinking like a horror film of a Hedge Trimmer. Don't, 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 don't be starting horror films. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, it came to mind. thinking, you know, what are sharp objects, right?
3: <laughs> Sorry. Not, and and you say... know what, though? Yeah, what you're saying? You uh-huh. can't legislate evil. You can't. Yeah. Evil uh-huh. is evil, pure and simple. And if evil cannot do it this way, Evil will find another way to do it. You yeah. cannot legislate evil.
1: But do you see this as a trap, though, because people are, the, the, especially Republicans, are saying, well, our, our defense against, or their defense, not ours, but their defense against these coming gun laws uh, is to say, well, we'll just make mental health uh, things stronger. We'll restrain people earlier. We'll do all this other kind of stuff. I think it's a huge trap. I think it's just, I think it's, it's. this way the government, the, the gun grabbers win both ways. They win because they get more restrictions on their mental health, and they win when they get more gun restrictions. So as far as, they, as they're concerned, they win either way. I see this as a strategically huge error, and I'm curious what you two think. Piaki, too. Let's go with Candy because you've got limited time here. What do you think? Do you see it as I see it? Um,
3: yes, because okay. um, I was talking with a friend of mine on the uh, Buckeye board, and he was saying, because it, it was kind of a trap, we were uh, testifying before one of the committees in our state capitol, and we were talking about the dangers of red flag laws and this and that and the other. And one of the people in attendance asked, well, what about someone who's mentally unfit? Do they still have Second Amendment rights? You're saying everyone has Second Amendment rights. What about someone who's mentally unfit? And uh, my friend said, you know what? If allowing that mentally unfit person their Second Amendment rights guarantees that I keep mine, then so be it. And then we'll have to deal with that on a case-by-case basis but by making a sweeping generalization mm-hmm. of anyone who's mentally anything opens an extremely wide door and creates an extremely slippery slope because mental can be completely subjective, and it will differ from person to person. So opening up that door and establishing that slippery slope I think Mm -hmm. is a dangerous and very scary move. Very, very scary. I would rather guarantee that everybody have their Second Amendment rights, and as they do stupid stuff, Mm -hmm. we address that as it happens. But don't be taking away my rights because of what you're afraid someone else might do.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and there are people who are perfectly mentally healthy, you know robbing banks, carjacking, yeah, uh, you know they pass nuts. all kinds of tests not So nuts. that's that's no criteria, yeah, yeah, John, what do you think no, I, I agree, I think that that's why everyone's supposed to red
5: flag off every sane persons supposed to them, because it's just every the right person' it's disaster
1: <laughs> <laughs> the words, yeah, okay, no.
5: <laughs> right, speaking of mental health, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think they, they continue to lower that bar, and that's the problem. Um, so that, that Rahimi case I was talking about earlier, that guy didn't even mm-hmm. get a hearing. They just, you know, gave him the restraining order and said, now they're taking everything from you. No hearing, no defender, no attorneys, no nothing.
1: Well, that's right. the problem. Um, you know, and, right. no, and these Republicans and that's, are that's running to this. So I think you're yeah. right.
5: That's yeah. the trap. The trap yep. is, well, now you it's the uh, violence. Now it's this problem. It's that problem. I mean, you could theoretically make the case that if you commit a violent crime you're already mentally disabled right it's a mental problem Correct. so Correct. that's the slope right now that now you do apply that to a speeding ticket or reckless driving because that's gonna be your mm-hmm. problem too and yeah. then there's your dui argument right the fact that you've had a dui so, means you have a condition you should no longer be able to exercise your rights so
3: Andy? i have a question have you guys have have you guys ever heard of um Oh, gosh, I'm just having a uh, Hold My Guns. Have you guys ever heard of that?
1: No. Yes. John?
3: Okay, cool. Is, yeah. John, you it? have heard of it. What um, is it? The young lady, Sarah, who runs Hold My Guns, she is an amazing lady. So what Hold My Guns is, in a nutshell, is a person in crisis can reach out To different FFLs in the area, and those FFLs will literally hold their guns for them while they are going through this period of crisis, because Mm -hmm. we all know if law enforcement gets a hold of your firearms, good luck getting them back.
0: But with this,
3: hold my guns, we are literally holding these people's guns until that period of crisis is over and there's no law enforcement involvement, there's no lawyers involved, there's nothing. It is an agreement between the person involved is already partnered with Hold My Guns, so there's a contract there, there's an understanding there, and it's a huge safe haven for people in crisis because we all know they tell you, oh, my gosh, if you're feeling stressed, if you need help, whatever, reach out and call us it's a confidential call no it's not no it's not if you reach out and you are a gun owner at some point in time i guarantee you that's going to come up uh didn't you call the suicide hotline on such and such a date didn't you call? didn't you visit so that's why so many people who have firearms that's one of the reasons as they're struggling they feel trapped because they're afraid to reach out for help. The Hold My Gun is a safe space for these people to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need someone to get these out of my house. I don't want to do anything stupid, but the voices are getting loud, whatever's going on, mm-hmm. and that's when the Hold My guns comes into play, and it's a fabulous program absolutely
1: wonderful but this I should be uh, this should be subsidized yeah no now is this an option if someone has a restraining order or something like that as opposed to a red flag law can you can you is that a is that an alternative is that in law anywhere no
3: um you know what that i don't know but i don't think so
1: okay project <laughs> all right folks, play, let's get, go get going here a bit? yeah sure go ahead
5: yeah so i think it's a great concept I think that there's some pitfalls in it in okay. large part because, you know, if you look at the, the federal law, <clears throat> excuse me, is you know, if you've been committed for any reason on a mental health issue, you, you can't, you're prohibited from possessing a firearm. Now you're taking your firearm and putting it into an organization.
1: Uh, yeah.
5: So, but if you're putting your firearm into a location that's controlled by the ATF, Right. It's a backdoor way for them to get to people who think they're safe.
1: They could just take the guns from the, from the fire. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's funny you should say that because I was just uh, sort of like going in that direction that, yeah. I mean, who's to say they're safe with the person holding the guns? Right. So
5: they have control over all the paperwork for the FFLs at right. any time. Most of it's well. electronic anyway, so they can just do it electronically. But the people that do like hard, hard copies that don't do it electronically they show up to their door i want all your paperwork we want to look right. at these five people because they've got guns here that you're safekeeping why
1: right. yeah that's a good point so I, and, you know. that's and my I'm that's my only concern sure, with
3: that and i'm pretty sure that is something sarah has considered because uh she she's done her homework and i am not a representative for hold my guns so i don't know all the ins and outs Over but the show. i do know sarah And yeah, I think it would be awesome to have her on the show. Mm -hmm. And um, I can reach out to her if you'd like.
1: Well, obviously, (laughs) yes. You know, anybody that you talk about, (laughs) any of these people, you're both welcome to bring on anybody you want onto the show. That's that's part of the 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 the, the fun of this, and part of the interest. uh, But I'm not. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm I'm not doubting sincerity
5: and the intentions. I just think that um, for people that are considering it, I just want them to think it through. I want them to get help. I want them to have a safe place to do it. But I also want them to understand the ramifications, no matter how you look at it. It's dropping your gun off, using that organization. One, they can subpoena their records because there's no uh, privilege attached. And then on top of that, if you go to any ATF and if it's on their website, I looked once before, and I can't remember if I saw it or not, but they usually have like a listing of you know, FFLs, or you can can contact someone within an organization to get that. That's what's opened up people to that extra scrutiny based on what the ATF's been doing, especially now with them just showing up at gun shops and taking paperwork. There's been more than one case where they've showed up and said, this person's buying five.
3: And John, what you're saying is also a concern that has been brought up by other people, And, again, I don't know enough about the organization, but you're not the first one to bring that up, and that is a valid concern because, like you said, the the FFL is still overseen by the ATF, who can do whatever the flip they want, apparently. Well, the answer is to get rid of the ATF. (laughs) That's
1: that's the first thing is get rid of the ATF, but that's that's another story. But there must be a way Mm -hmm. to put into law that if guns are being held privately, then they're being held privately, that uh, that they can't be touched. They're sold the property of a person. Of course, that doesn't guarantee it's going to happen because, like I say, the government does what they please. You know, look at Waco. Um, so it's, um, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. But the ATF really needs to be gotten rid of. be curious what the what the new speaker does. Um, let's talk about um, a couple of pieces of legislation that we have here because one the, of the biggest problems with the gun community that I see is that you don't, uh, they're always trying to say, well, it's the Second Amendment. You can't pass this gun control law. And then, of course, the, the, the left gets up and says, but we'll be safer. We'll feel better. We can't. I, it's you. You're causing these mass shootings. You know, we can't put restrictions on the Second Amendment. We can do anything we want. Rah, rah, rah. And they go all this emotional nonsense. But, the, but the, the gun committee never comes out with opposing legislation that increases gun rights. And I, I just don't. Mm. And I think that, to me, that's the best way to fight back. So I gave you all three bills yesterday. I'm sure you've been studying them all night long. And uh, I just wanted to go over a couple of these. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Um, But the first
0: one.
1: I know, right? Yeah, that's okay. you got time. Um, Everybody knows you have them now. I announced it on the radio. Uh, Okay. But they're also, I'll put them on there. Sorry. A little peer pressure there. Um, But the first one, and and I'll I'll post these. Yeah, exactly. I'll post these to the Action Radio Gun Project, too. But the first one is an act. And this is written by Anthony Nunez, who used to be on the show, I think, uh, two or three years ago. Uh, he was uh, going for his Ph.D. in electrical engineering. Uh, his parents came here from uh, Cuba on a raft. Uh, Anthony, I'd love to get back in touch with, but he's probably uh, you know, an electrical engineer with a Ph.D., doing great things, which is wonderful. So he wrote an act to increase the exercise and enjoyment of the Second Amendment. And basically, it says the Civil Rights Act under Title 18, Section 241, clearly states that a conspiracy to deny the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right is punishable by fines and imprisonment, Yet, anti-gun rights laws and enforcement of those laws goes on all the time. In reversing these laws with the protections of the civil rights laws, because we're going we're to make gun ownership a civil right. We're going to include that on the list of things. That's another bill. Uh, an additional body of law can be created to enhance rather than restrict the exercise and enjoyment of Second Amendment rights. That is the purpose of this act. It's got a little bit more in the intro, but basically, here, here are the basic provisions. One, tax credits and deductions for actions related to firearms. Two, legal protections for good Samaritans in lawful protection of others. That would be like Lewiston. Three, education of the posterity in safe handling, uh, of the posterity, that would be like high schools, of the safe handling, ownership, and usage of firearms. And three, and four, strengthening of relationships between the body of the people and agents of the state, in other words, law enforcement. But the biggest one that I have is, is tax credit deductions for action related to firearms, and that would be, Lawful purchase, ammunition, permits and licensing, classes, range fees, uh, mileage, uh, membership in Second Amendment organizations, competitions, reloading, hunting, iron air protection, instructor-related expenses. You guys are going to love this. Police reimbursements for training citizens. USA-made firearms, ammunition and gear, uh, carry insurance, gun maintenance and repair would all be either tax deductible or tax credits. What do you think? Ooh, I love it. Yeah there. We need to get this to the gun groups. See, here's the frustration for me. At Action Radio, it takes enough time to do the show. Uh, we have our citizen legislation day and actually write this legislation. We cannot share it for people. We cannot advocate it. The gun groups have millions of people across this country. We need you two and everybody else to get to the gun groups. And the gun. Group. I want to try and get Eric Pratt on the show um, from uh, Gun Owners of America but we need the gun owners. In fact, I invited Cheryl Todd, who's a broadcaster, to come join us today. Apparently, Cheryl, Candy, you know each other? I'm guessing.
3: Yes, we do. Cheryl's awesome.
1: Well, we'll get her on the show one time, too. Um, but uh, but this is the kind of thing we need. We've got the laws written. This was written uh, February 13th, 2020. This law is almost three years old. Wait, but it is three years old. Three and a half years old. It's almost four years old. Okay? And yet... No one else is coming up with tax deductions and tax credits for all the things. And you know who this really affects is low-income people. Low-income people who cannot exercise the Second Amendment rights because they don't have, in liberal terms, access to quality ammunition and firearms. Mm
0: -hmm. So you
1: can can even put this on, on a minority issue as well. It's like, well, wait a minute. We've got black and Hispanic people that can't afford to exercise the Second Amendment rights. This is racism. I mean, I don't care what basis you put it on. But there's no reason... That, as, that a right should be taxed. I love it. Panel.
3: I do. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
1: Okay, well it's in your it's in your messenger. <laughs> Balls in your cart. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, then. I'm gonna
3: be yeah. forward that puppy.
1: You should. Well, what you could do. Here's a thought I just had. Both you and and, and John uh, could teach a class in gun legislation and advocacy. You know, as a little sideline, train people. All they have to do is read the bill, copy the link, send it to government and media. That's it. John?
5: Yeah, no, agreed. I, I think it could be tweaked here and there for sure, but um, yeah, on its face, I think it's a good bill. I think you need to change the name. Oh, so okay. We can uh, do that. Uh, I'm and, open. Well, in part, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you yeah. why. is because uh-huh. the left is really good about camouflaging what they do. Right. So uh, affordable care act. Right. It doesn't Mm -hmm. do about affordable care, but it made it sound good Uh, California had a proposition uh, Three four years ago someone like that four or five years ago now Um, No more than that. It was nine years ago anyway. It was Prop 47 it was uh, the safe neighborhoods and school act Mm -hmm. But what it did was that's that was the act that reduced all the felonies to misdemeanors Petty theft oh, yeah, went up to $950. Shop listing. I know where you're going with this. Forgery, bad checks, yeah, and all that.
1: Yeah. So I want hold you up. What what I, because I want to get two more bills in. I think if you name in, it differently. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm. No, I think if you now, name I it see, differently,
5: uh, you give it something that's appealing to everybody so they can't argue against. I don't care what the name is. I mean, you could call it, you know, the Human Rights Protection Act. Like, who exactly, you against, you yeah. Know, <laughs> the the the
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the you know, freedom the, 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 the low-income minority bill or, you know, encouragement you know, bill, yeah, you know. Yeah, Rights Enhancement Act, yeah. I don't do that, sure. and I'll tell you why. Because specifically that's one of our principles here is we, we name bills correctly. And so I'd rather argue on the merit of it. And I know what you're saying, you know, so the equivalent of the Affordable Care Act, uh, it's a good idea, and I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I would have to think very carefully if I want to change our princi- one of our principles here, which is we name the bills honestly. Uh, and we argue sure, but I honestly. would think
5: about it. Think about it in terms of this is warfare. You can't oh, yeah. hamstring yourself no, it's a good idea. by not, not doing it the same yeah. way they do it. You know. Yeah. But so that's yeah. the only thing I would think of is because the reason we can't get stuff passed is because we mm-hmm. do these things in such a way that, yeah, we argue on the merits, but mm-hmm. they're not arguing the merits. So if you can't yeah. fight a game with one you – know, you can't want to fight with one hand tied behind your back.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, just, I don't know if yeah. I want to change the, let me, uh I want to get two bills in before Candy has to go. Candy, you got like five more minutes, okay. or, or how much time have you got?
3: Yep, I got about a huh? uh, quarter to, two. I'll be off.
1: Okay, so let's, let's do the next two. And we can come back to this one, John, because it's a good point. I'm not trying to dismiss it. I'm just trying to uh, um, get things done here. The second bill this is one of the first ones I wrote, November 19, 2017. The gun purchase background check using the banned list only act. Currently, every person who wants to purchase a gun has to go through a background check. The potential is there, despite what the government says, to register everyone into some government database. And, of course, we now know that's true. Then I said to remove that possibility and not search citizens without any probable cause, instant checks will be reversed. Instead of checking every customer, each gun retailer and seller will have the list of prohibited persons with photographs in their computer system in a secure government computer program that only they and their staff can use. When a customer wants to make a purchase, their photo ID is compared to the prohibited list. If they are not on the prohibited list, then the purchase goes through. It is up to government to maintain the most current prohibited list. But this way, no government record of the gun purchase is made during the computerized background check, only a check of the purchaser against the prohibited list in the computer. Whether all, the record, whether all record of the purchase should be also be scrubbed or just kept at the retailer is another consideration. Right, I'll, I'll say that part. But that's basically the idea. So uh, I don't have title or statute. This is before I even got title and section. Uh, this could be done in any state. This could be done at the federal level. This could be done anywhere. But the idea is prohibited list of persons is at the gun retailer. And they take your driver's license with photo ID, especially if your name is John Smith. Right, and they compare because probably a million Johnson this is where I mean nobody mistakes Greg Pangloss. So I'm it. <laughs> you know, this is not a problem. <laughs> um, but common names, common names, have, it's a problem. So you, you you give your government ID, and of course, forged driver's license. That's another issue too. But assuming you have a, a legitimate government photo ID, you that's compared to the prohibited list. If you aren't on the prohibited list, you whatever purchase you want. Sound good? Yeah, but well,
5: you have to fix the list.
3: Yeah, I was What's gonna
5: that? say there. What? Go ahead, Kenny.
3: I was gonna say I'd I'd actually need to see it because there was a lot going on there. Um, it sounds good, but I I I can't give it my. <laughs> but <laughs> but, I I, but it, it,
1: it, it's in your messages. Yeah. So, uh, but but that's the basic plan. You know, who I actually talked to you about this. Was Larry Pratt back at WBY? I was fortunate to have him on the line. He loved this idea. He thought it was a great idea. And I just have to get to Eric Pratt, uh, gun owners, too. But this is a way that we can, because uh, they keep talking about these universal background checks, which is really you know, a way to stop gun purchases and making it just harder to own guns. Um, but this way, you just have the prohibited list. There, there is a prohibited list. Right? That's, that's what, the, that's what the, the government does. They check you against the prohibited list, right? Well, all I'm saying is the prohibited list would be at the gun store. And they can check your ID directly. That's it. That's the whole bill.
3: Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. It
1: doesn't address the problem of fixing the list. Uh, what, the the problem of what now, Sean? The list needs to be
5: fixed first. And so what they're doing now, they're just doing it at a federal level. You make the phone call, they check their list, and they say right. the person's on it or not. Yeah. So it would be no difference in having that in control of the state unless you have a way to fix the list and make sure it's accurate.
1: It's, that's not my problem. That's the government's problem. And that's specifically well, then, in the bill then, is,
5: is – yeah. Then I'm not sure what the bill is
1: fixing. That's what oh, they it's now, the idea just, that there's, there's, there's this no record
5: in your possession. Uh,
1: there's no record of your name and your purchase. It's anonymous. There's always all there's is,
5: always going to be a re- So you're going to get rid of the uh, the FFL form entirely. It's
1: um, um, a different question, but I, I haven't. That's a, that's a different consideration. Uh, it's it's a possibility. Then, then
5: it doesn't. But, then it doesn't get the rid of the record. Is what I'm saying.
1: Okay, if if but it gets rid form, of the it gets rid of the call, FBI. It. it gets rid of the electronic record of, of the background check. That's the part it gets rid of. Let me do one more because Candy's almost out of time here. In fact, okay. I got a minute. Yeah, we'll come back to these. You know, the third one is the Home <laughs> Defense. Yeah, okay. The, ho- the third one is the Home Defense Hearing Protection Act, and this is another Anthony Nunez bill, March 24th of 2020. Basically, what it says is, you know, um, you, you know, you don't. Uh, we make uh, suppressors and silences legal so that you don't go deaf when you're defending your life. That's what this does. And I can do it real simply. Uh, here's the summary. Bill of removing silencer suppressors from the NFA, the National Firearms Act of 1934, list of regulated items. Additionally, all records and registries of prior silencer suppressor owners must be destroyed. Finally, all owners of silencer suppressors who paid the $200, uh, $200 for the ATF tax stamp must be refunded their $200 plus the amount lost to inflation. <laughs> Rationale. The Department of Justice and Congress of 1934 included silencers and suppressors in the list of NFA-regulated items without justification. Since then, there were well over 2 million suppressors in circulation, yet there is only a .003% conviction rate on alleged crimes involving suppressors. Here's the text of the bill. It's very short. One, let it be made into law, effective immediately, that silencers, suppressors are to be removed from the NFA list of reg- regulated items. Two, that all persons who – are anyway, that's basically it. Let's just stop right there. So, in other words, silences and suppressors become legal. Logically, why should you go deaf when you're defending your life? Why should you have to make that choice? That's what this bill does. Candy?
3: I would agree with that. Okay. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. you're right. Why should I have to go deaf uh, defending my life? And Mm -hmm. all the hoops and all the stuff that people have to go through now just to get a suppressor it's ridiculous.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you, if you're at home, you know, and and it, you know, you're defending your family. It, your choice is go deaf, <laughs> you know, or or die. That that's uh, what kind of a choice is that? So yeah, maybe John knows cool. more about the origins. Yeah. Now the police don't carry suppressors. How come you guys don't have them? Yeah.
5: Well, they're not practical. Oh. Okay frankly. How about for home, not about about for home defense? I mean, it's not—it's right. not practical for you know, just drop a gun on your hip with a suppressor attached to it.
1: Well, if you had open carry? Yeah. How about uh, do criminals yeah, even use if them? it's
5: open carry? And as a cop, mm-hmm. if you want to run with a gun and a suppressor attached to it, and then have to fight with it on your. Good luck it's not with going that. Yeah, yeah, it's just not okay. practical. All
1: yeah. right, okay, all right, yeah. but, so, so, but it yeah, still no, like, I agree with you though. They should be legal. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking too. Is is, is what, was the, what was the origin of, of putting them on the on the list, uh, the banned list, to begin with? Well, what's, what's the virtue in having loud guns? I mean, dangerously loud guns.
5: Well, I think that was always based on that you would be able to hear the shots, identify where they're coming from, and identify that it's happening. That was the theory behind it. So if okay. you're in an environment where the shot's suppressed, especially in an urban environment, it makes it harder to hear and identify where it's coming from. Now, th- is that true? Eh, probably not, but that was probably the theory behind it.
1: Yeah, but the consequences, it's not, how, many, how it's not many... like the
5: movies. So have right. you ever shot a suppressed weapon?
1: No. Tell me.
5: Okay, so it's, it's not that quiet. I mean, it's a lot quieter, and they make ones mm-hmm. that are better now, but you still mm-hmm. hear the shot. So it's not like the movies where it's, you know, like a, like
1: a blow dart. It's not James know. Bond? It's not like a...
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
5: you're
1: okay. still <laughs> well, that Because that disputes the argument that says, well, you can still hear the gunshot. You know, if you're close enough to be hit right. by it, you can probably hear it even with a suppressor but you're not going to go deaf from it. So we're not, we're not trying to stop the sound. We're just trying to have people avoid hearing damage while they're defending themselves. You shouldn't have to be a victim while you're defending yourself because you haven't done anything wrong. And yet you make victims, no, you make hearing Yeah, okay. How many law enforcement people have had hearing loss because of uh, the use of firearms in defending their life or you know, arresting people or other things?
5: Oh, tons. It's actually considered a workers' comp claim.
1: It's presumptive.
0: Oh.
5: Yeah. So it's presumptive. You come up with hearing loss. Even after you're, after you're off the job, it's presumptive mm-hmm. that it was job-related. Wow.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so uh,
5: most people don't understand, too, is like um, under stress, you have that auditory exclusion sometimes. What's that? You don't hear everything. Um, your your sound gets deafened. Like you won't hear the shots. You won't hear right. what's going on around you. Um,
3: but but even damaged, if that happens, your ears right? are still
5: getting damaged, right? So most yeah. people think if I don't oh. hear it, I'm not damaged. Yeah, they're still oh. damaged behind it.
3: John, do you ever have people who go on the range who already have hearing loss and they will tell you, no, I'm not going to wear a hearing aids or a a hear pro, ear pro, because I can't hear anyway. And then you have to have that conversation with them. It's like, dude, even though you can't hear, you are still damaging your inner ear and all that circuitry in there. No, you gotta wear ear protection. I I I'm shocked by how many people, and it tends to be men, who are like, Nah, I'm already deaf anyway. It can't hurt. And I'm like, No, hon, you you gotta wear ear pro. It's it's weird, kind of a weird conversation to have. But throw that one out there.
5: Yeah, it does happen, and it it's a pretty exclusive to men. But yeah, you know, it's because we've got issues. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not touching that one. Not touching that. <laughs> no, no, hey, listen,
1: uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, what I see is, is uh, equally stupid is guys have the that uh, foam earplug barely resting in their ear. It's not doing anything. They're not taught how to use the earplugs properly. And me, you know, being yeah. such a sound-conscious person, I, I, you know, everything I like is noisy. Flying airplanes, but I have my Dave Clarks. Uh, at the range, I use the foam and a headset. I've got great protection. My fear is that when I actually hear a gunshot for the first time, if I have to save my life, God forbid, but if I have to do that, it's going it's to shock the hell out of me because it's going to be a hell of a lot louder than any gunshot I've ever heard before because I always wear double protection because I don't want to damage my hearing, says the rock and roll guitar player.
3: Mm. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, for
5: sure. <laughs> so, Candy, have you ever been on the range when someone forgot their ear protection
1: and flew,
3: oh my gosh, flew yeah. the first round off? Yeah. What was that reaction? Either was? forgot it or you told them, uh, you don't have those in right, you don't have those on properly, oh, this will work, or the ones who go out there with the AirPods in their ears, this will be enough because my AirPods are noise canceling. And you stand there and you argue with them, and they're like, nope, this will be just fine. So you go, okay, you have fun with that. And that first shot, that's all it takes is one shot. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, but that shot can do permanent it's damage. Honest,
1: that's the problem.
3: When it's an honest accident, then you feel bad for. But when it's someone that you've tried to tell them and you've tried to coach and advise them and they choose to ignore you, it is what it is.
1: Hmm. How, how and loud on that are these note, gunshots? Guys, you you got to go. Well, thanks for the extra time. Yeah,
3: I got to cruise, but gunshots are extremely loud. Extremely extremely loud, and we like to say on the range, if someone forgets their ear protection or chooses not to wear it or wears it incorrectly, that is an immediate self-correcting problem. Just let them go out on the range. It's an immediate yeah, self-correcting problem.
1: Yeah. Thanks for your report. Uh, take a look at the legislation. Um, I want to uh, see if we can get this into the gun groups and, and start talking about this stuff. Well, we need to fight back. We don't need to just always be on defensive. Uh, Let's Let's make them... Uh, defend against hearing protection, against a different background check, um, and against uh, tax deductions for poor folks so they can exercise their rights. Let's put them on the defensive.
3: Love it. Guys, yep. thank you so much. John, I sent you an email. Check your inbox. Perfect. Thank you. All right, guys. Great. Have a good one.
1: All right. You take care, Candy. Thank you very much. I'm glad I met you Bye. two up. This is working out really well. like well, you're so different, yet you're so in sync. I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's a fascinating uh, uh, thing. You've got to do a workshop together, or put out a video, or something. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get you both down yeah, to yeah. our uh, our January seventh Citizen Legislation Day because uh, I want to have a gun on a gun panel, and some other things like that. So we've got some of our local folks here uh, as well. But uh, yeah, this is wonderful. All right, take care, Candy. Teach All right, well.
3: Bye guys. All
1: right, see ya. Okay. Cool. All right. So probably, probably take. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Go ahead.
5: One, the so one thing is, uh, one if they they're on our range, they have to wear a protection. They don't get an option, and they have to mm-hmm. wear the the kind we choose. So They don't get to say, hey, we're not going to wear it; or these are going to be fine. But that that doesn't happen. That, that's not a not a good thing. But yeah, when when it does happen accidentally, so if you're at the range and somebody forgets them and you see it happen, you can tell immediately how important it is. All right, so yeah. just based on the reaction.
1: No, and this is why uh now suppressors, how much do they suppress? Uh do you have any charts on that? Have you seen the, the, the D B reduction? They suppress it enough to not do damage to your ear. Okay.
5: That's the whole That's thing. all you need. So Yeah, we don't need to take yeah, away the and, noise. And you know what they're really useful? It's hunting. Right? Oh. If you have yeah, a suppressor on your hunting rifle, you can open right. up your ears to hear the environment. Right? You can you can operate with an environment where your sounds aren't muffled and then you can actually be more effective and more efficient and safer. But mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that shot because it's not going to blow your eardrums out because you've got a suppressor on the gun.
1: That makes sense. So do people hunt? I, haven't, I want to go hunting at some point, point. i want to learn how to do it. But uh, I, I never see anybody wearing you know, a headset when they're hunting. But you can get a noise canceling where you can hear just fine, except for the gunshot. It'll muffle the gunshot.
5: Sure. And some do, some do. A lot more of those earplugs like you said, the little foam ones, there's plenty of hunters out there with a ton of damage because you either forgot to put them in, they weren't in properly. If you mm-hmm. put those things in your ear and you start moving around, they always fall
1: out.
0: No, you know, no, there's a way to do it. Yeah.
1: I learned years ago back in, in flight, uh, flight training how to do it. You've got to pull your ear back a little bit. You've got to roll them up into a, a, a tinier thing. You put them in not too far because you've got to be able to get them out again. But you, you put them in, let them expand in your ear. I mean, that's how you do it. And it makes, if it makes a good seal, you can hear when it's, a, when it's working, but you can still hear all the sounds. That's, that's the weird thing. You know, I can, I can put in foamier plugs, either those little spiral-shaped ones, the orange ones, or or just a little, you know, circular, spherical, not spherical, but uh, whatever that word is for round, you know, things. Uh, <laughs> and they work fine, too. But, uh, but you know, like I say, I mean, I'm, I've been doing this for years, since I was a kid, you know, flying airplanes with them. Um, but uh, they work fine. You know, they work really so, well. So no, and you can still hear no the one knows those.
5: how to use them properly.
1: Well, that's a, but that should be taught though. That should be a required uh, thing. Uh, you know uh, how to roll up an earplug. You need to just read what's well, in the instructions, which nobody reads. It's not that hard to figure <laughs> out how to roll up an earplug. And if you're going to save your hearing, you don't get your hearing back once it's gone. It's gone. You know it, it doesn't. Sure. It, but it doesn't this return. Is same
5: people that are wearing iPods at the range.
1: Oh please. Right. You know another thing too. Yeah. The, 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 and the headset's not good enough by itself because if you're wearing glasses or like I do or safety glasses, they're creating a space between the headset. The headset's actually losing efficiency because you wear glasses. You're breaking the seal. It's another reason yeah, for using the Yeah, your glasses
5: make a big difference too. So the, the yeah. actual width of the, the earpiece makes a big difference and most people don't realize that either. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of factors that go involved and that's part of the education process, obviously. Mm-hmm. We talk yeah. a lot about that safety aspect and what kind of shoes and how to choose them. I and if you wear prescription glasses you've got to get a pair of glasses that you know safety glasses that go over those so you can still see and that changes as well because then you get a double layer
1: but see, I've always wore just my prescription glasses no one's had a problem with just my regular glasses
5: yeah but are they ballistic rated
1: mm, I don't know probably not
5: So that's not going to help you
1: oh okay tell me what's uh sort so of I need your regular to do.
5: glasses is like so have you ever shot a piece of, like a coke bottle or something no any, any kind yeah, of, any, if you targets. shoot any kind of piece of glass, it's going to break. Right. right? You throw, throw a rock at it, it's going to break. If you were to drop right. your glasses on the ground and step on them, they would break. Right. Right. The, so, the yeah. protective glasses are rated for impact. So if you hit that with the impact of a round hitting it, it's not going to penetrate the glass to get into your eye. Okay. So the, the safety glasses are there to protect your eye if your, your prescription glasses aren't rated for that, which I'm sure they aren't, unless you're special them, yeah. then it's a lot. No,
1: of no, they wouldn't then, be. Yeah, you, yeah. Need,
5: you need a pair of safety goggles to go over your scripts to protect your eyes if something comes back and bites you.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I wondered about that too. But I said, oh, no, it's fine. I was like, okay. You know, me and my, my, my trusting nature but uh, on that particular <laughs> case. But, but, yeah, but right. it makes sense. But that's another reason for the foam for the earplugs and the head. Because the headset, especially if I'm wearing two sets of glasses now, there's going to be more space around that headset. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as effective.
5: Sure. And they huh. make some extensions to the phone part on your headphones that uh, that bump that out. They increase the padding to help make that seal.
1: Yeah, i got to look more into this. Well, when I get back into shooting in, in, in a series, I'd, I'd love to get back at something like a competitive level just because it's fun. <laughs> it's way too much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're coming up the top of the hour here. We have got the third hour. Um, I've got enough material. I can talk to myself. I'd rather I'd rather talk to you guys. We got the in the line too. John, do you have some more time, or do you have to go? No, I got time. Okay, good. Well, the, I love all this time you have. This is great. Well, take a look at the bills. We can talk more about those. Uh, we, I can get into this article that I had earlier because it actually makes some good points. It, it makes about you know about eight really good points and about two completely stupid ones. <laughs> I think I'm completely wrong on that. So uh, let's see what time is it now. 8:59. It's a good time for us to take a little break. So mute yourselves if you want to make some noise, get some coffee. Back in about uh, four or five minutes. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page, available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R. L-A-W-S, WriteYourLaws.com This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout dark winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No space force. No constitution. No family gatherings. No vacations. Just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen... If you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. All right, let's get back to uh, new Talk. We're getting a whole lot of static there. Uh, I don't know if it was my line or one of your lines, but uh, something sounded weird. Anyway, we're back. Um, last hour of the week, and so I'm pretty open to anything anybody wants to talk about. Um, I've got uh, I've got lists of, of, of different things like that. We can go back to the gun chat. Uh, we can talk about the, the bills, and we can talk about uh, anything in particular. I know uh, John um, had a discussion of, of the titles of some of the bills. We can kind of pick up on that. But we've got a new speaker you know, we've got a whole set of priorities. We've got investigations that need to happen. Um, I played the, uh, the, the Biden one. That was actually made right before the 2020 election. And so we already had the masks, the mandates, the lockdowns, the closed churches. We'd already seen the worst of government. And I was, uh, you know, I was worried about that election, that it would be stolen, because I knew Trump was going to win it if it was an honest election, and it wasn't. And, of course, we know what's happened ever since then. Um, and so that's, uh, it's very interesting that all the things that I predicted, you know, unfortunately, have come true. <laughs> They're all happening. And so that's where we are right now. Anyway, uh, Piaki, John, um, anyone wants to start to pick up on anything we had before, or or, uh, you know, introduce something new, feel free. We get we're wide open for the for the rest of the hour. Okay, don't all jump (laughs) at once. (laughs) Go ahead, John.
5: (laughs) So so we talked about having 400 million guns in the U.S., right? Uh I looked it up. So in 2021, we had 48,830 gun deaths, and that includes suicides. Right. Right. If you divide mm-hmm. that by the number of guns, we're talking one one hundredth of one percent.
1: They're actually used in a crime. crime. So wait wait, say that again. No, one,
5: one, no, I, just straight, I can use Just this. straight gun deaths. So any time right. a gun resulted use of a firearm resulted in, in a death. And that includes suicides. So if you break it down to homicides, it's only about twelve thousand. But if you include suicides and everything else gun related, it was forty eight
1: thousand eight hundred and thirty. Yeah, but I, I you
5: wouldn't have suicides. One
1: I would just yeah. in, I would just well, include the criminal use of guns because that where criminals use them to hurt other people, not people hurting themselves. You you, you can legislate no, that I, against that all you want. It's not going to do anything. But I uh, agree with
5: the left's argument: is guns cause problems. Guns are causing suicides,
1: so let's just throw it in there, right. just for
5: the sake okay. of argument. You're still huh. looking at one one hundredth of one percent.
1: That's amazing. It is, because, and that's the our thing because like we have so many have guns. No yeah, we have so many guns that the actual amount of guns used in crimes if it were uh, proportional to some countries that have far fewer guns, then this country would be uh, incredibly more violent right sure yeah huh. so that's what they're not getting
5: and that's that's I think our failure to articulate it
1: right, right. so is there a study right. that's been done this is this is a really interesting point so is there a, a i mean I haven't even talked to look it up yet because we, we we're just you know this is the first time really hearing about this but is there a study that shows the percentage of uh, uh, crimes per percent of, of or amount of guns owned. Has anybody looked at that?
5: Uh, I don't know. Probably not, my guess. Maybe yeah. That would make too much sense, right? They, yeah. they tend not to look at things that have statistical favors to the encouragement of the
1: Second Amendment. Yeah. Right? So let's take a look at uh, Somalia, Yemen, Honduras, <laughs> you know, the countries that come to mind, um, the countries that are known to be violent, right? So the percentage of civilian gun ownership in those countries compared to the amount of violence uh, that's committed, and that would include militia groups, you know, terrorist groups, all that kind of stuff, because they're there. They so <laughs> might as well include them, right, as, as criminals, uh, as well as terrorists and other things. But if you look at some of those countries, there are far fewer guns in civilian hands and and far more crimes proportionally are being committed in those countries. Would that be fair? Sure. Okay. Yeah,
5: fair enough. But, so look at Britain. I mean, you got mm-hmm. the UK that outlawed guns for sure, but now outlawed knives, and their knife crimes skyrocketed.
1: So they outlawed knives and legislate. knife crimes skyrocketed? What? They,
5: yeah.
1: Uh, well, because the average
5: person wasn't allowed to use that tool to defend themselves, so there was no check, right? So it's the same, same thing as gun control. You take away all right. the guns, who has the guns? The bad guys. Yeah. You take right. away all the knives, who has the knives?
1: The bad guys. Does that include swords, by the way? I've always wanted to use a sword for self-defense just because of the intimidation factor. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I'm serious I think, about this. I Actually, I, don't, I mean, I found in college. I
5: don't think you can have a steak knife in public in the UK.
1: Really? Well, that's the UK. But, uh, but I hear that in, in Florida, for example, and I have to look it up. But in Florida, your you concealed carry permit used to also permit Knives of of longer lengths than people without a concealed carry permit, because I guess they were assuming you were of of good character and had a background check. And so it was it was okay. But uh, if I was going to intimidate somebody, I'd have a katana, you know, in in like a shoulder, you know, sheath that could just draw immediately down upon their body uh, and freak the hell out of them, you know, or just, you know, take off major body parts. That's just me. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, if criminals, that's why they use machetes. Nobody wants to be hacked to death. People people would rather be, and I hate to say if we could get graphic for a minute, but the idea of being shot is bad enough, but the idea of being hacked with a machete is horrifying. Yeah, I'd much rather be shot than stabbed. Yeah. Well, and the stabbing victims you've seen, um, there's got to be, you know, we're talking lifetime injuries, horrible things that happened, and, uh, you know, in, in many ways, deadlier than guns.
5: Sure. And it has a, probably a broader psychological impact as well.
1: Huh. Yeah, and they've been around for thousands of years. I mean, edged weapons. I mean, uh, like the Japanese, they don't have guns. But, uh, you know, the, the, the samurai tradition, you know, the, the knife and sword tradition goes back thousands of years. Sure. And, yeah, and they make really good ones, too. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen some actual, you know, Japanese, you know, traditionally made samurai swords. They're unbelievable. Um, but I'd love to have something like that or an English knight sword. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the crocodile, crocodile Dundee effect or really good, you know, uh, uh, what do they call those things? What the those Indian knives? The Gurkha knives. The Kukris. And mm-hmm. you know, if I had a Kukri with a 14-inch blade on it, you know, <laughs> I could do Crocodile and Dundee. Oh, well, that's not a knife. <laughs> that's a knife. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Is there an intimidation factor that, that goes along with something like that? You know, mine's bigger, yep. so to speak. Sure, unless, unless you, you know, come
5: across a guy with a gun, and that's a problem.
1: Well, exactly. Well you have to have the backup. But I'm just I'm just right. thinking that uh, I mean I you know, I mean if we're gonna use if we're gonna talk self defense, why would that not be a viable self defense? So you've got your your, your concealed forty five and uh, a somewhat concealed, maybe not, you know, katana on your shoulder that you could draw that's right by your you know, your right shoulder. You could just draw it immediately and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just just thinking. I'm just exploring options here. <laughs> I know, again, so
5: there are no rules. Right? Everything's fair game too. I mean getting it out of the car with a you know katana on your back is a little difficult.
1: Well it would have some kind of a swivel. You know, you think you could <laughs> keep it in front of you. You know, you'd have to be able to take it off in the car. You know, it wouldn't be useful in the car. That's that's where you have your cross draw holster. But once you're out of the car you put your katana on and uh off you go. About your business. I don't know. I'm just if people yeah. are carrying swords it'd if be it works a very interesting you, society. On board. Yeah. Well look at
5: well, I mean, you look of at the dueling, not, you know
1: what's that now? There's plenty of people that carry knives for
5: self-defense, but it's it goes back to, you know, what you're going to train with and what you're willing to do with it. Right.
1: So uh, as, as knife training as opposed to gun training, how long does it take to get really good to defend yourself with a knife?
5: Probably a lot longer than it does for a gun.
1: Yeah. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah.
4: You,
5: yeah. You, you can't get people to come to more than one gun class generally, you know, if you're mm-hmm. lucky, a couple – You're not going to have someone invest, you know, six months for a knife training
1: course, you know, once a week or twice a week. Yeah, because that's art form. That's that's there's a lot of, uh, you know, that's one of the martial art weapons and you have to, you know, but defending yourself against a knife. um, Do you teach that? Yeah, that's that takes time too. you know,
5: some of the basic principles are the same. Um,
1: Mm -hmm.
5: Realistically, you talk to most victims of a knife attack. The vast majority of them think they were actually getting punched. They never even saw the knife. Oh, Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. They just find themselves bleeding uh, and in horrible pain or what?
5: Yeah. Basically, they're in the fight, and then when the fight's over, assuming they won the fight, they realize that they're bleeding out.
1: Wow. And you can bleed out. You know, now that we're on the graphic subjects, I mean, you can bleed out pretty quickly, right?
5: Oh, for sure. Yeah, depending where they hit you, absolutely. Right. And it doesn't take much. I mean, really, if you look at even your lungs, you can puncture a lung pretty quickly, and it takes about a half inch of the blade, maybe an inch. As right. soon as it has to be a deep cut. You know. So it's yeah, that's why I'd rather get shot than stabbed. But usually in the fight, in that moment, the vast majority of people don't even know they're getting stabbed. They're just getting punched.
1: Huh. 'Cause and that's 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 part of the technique is that you don't show that you have a blade so people don't realize it?
5: I think it's just the it's the chaos and the melee of the fight. Right. So it's not even these guys are trained. I mean you you look at most bad guys, they're not trained, they're just operating like a you know, a sewing machine. They're just keep you know, stabbing the guy but it's always yeah. going to feel like a punch if you don't know what the initial thing in their hand is.
1: Hmm. You, know, you just need to get getting hit. Interesting. Yeah, it gets complicated. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Other issues. We've got uh, a bunch of us. You, you, you want to go back to those gun laws at all or, or the, the titles of them?
5: Yeah, for sure. I One other thing I was going to talk about, the stats, though. You huh? talked about the sure. defensive use of a handgun stats.
1: Uh-huh. There's
5: a reason those are skewed and nobody knows what they are it's because they're not keeping track of them. And, and they should be. And it's not hard yeah. to do. So uh, have you ever filled out a police report or had a police report taken?
1: Um, yeah, because I had, uh, I think my tires were slashed. and uh, Oh, I had my car stolen. Uh, yes, I've done a couple of them.
5: Did you have to fill it out yourself?
1: Uh, I don't remember.
5: Okay. Usually Probably if you look not. at them, there's a lot of check yeah. boxes. right? They're, most of them are check boxed. So, uh uh-huh. Daytime, nighttime, location, was the car locked? Was the environment, was you know, was residential? Was it commercial? Was it? You can go down the list. Mm -hmm. All those check boxes are designed for statistics, so they can track those things. Oh, how easy would it be? Yeah, how easy would it be to add? Was a defensive use of a weapon used? What type of weapon? Handgun, knife, stick, whatever, and just check the boxes, so they could actually keep track of those things fairly accurately. But they don't because. If you look at it on its face, probably conservative estimates is well over a million times a year in this country. Oh, I've, I've heard half a million, a million to three million
1: uh, defensive uses, according to our, our stats here that we just read earlier.
5: Yeah, so I I would estimate that probably conservatively at least a million. Half a million is low. but And yep. it's not just – most of those aren't even a shot being fired. It's just the display of the gun. It's the actual person having possession of it. You could track mm-hmm. that fairly easily. They don't want to track it because that just makes the argument. If you only have 48,000 deaths, including suicides, due to a firearm, but you have 3 million uses of defensive uses of a handgun or a firearm mm-hmm. where it was effective, that makes your case. So they don't want those stats out there.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Same thing, too, with uh, automobile fatalities, which are, what, eighty to 100,000 a year? Some ridiculous number. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that yeah.
5: might be a bill. Mandatory reporting.
1: Of oh.
5: Of defensive use handguns. Anytime a fire is used, a firearm is used, whether commission of a crime or the prevention of a crime, you have to make it you have to report it. And it has to be documented and it has to be kept track of.
1: That's really interesting. And so that's not being done at all? No one's documenting defensive uses at all? I didn't know that. No, it's all i it's anecdotal. Huh. Well, in that case, uh, I think we I think we need another bill, John. You want to add that to your list, your growing list of bills? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll take help you with them. We can don't. farm them out to other folks. But we just need to, uh, if you could just keep a list of our of our proposed gun bills, that would uh, that that would help. I can do it too. So so some so mandate reporting of defensive gun use. Uh, okay. Let me go over. Since we're on guns, we've got about forty minutes left. Let me let me go through this article because it does cover. Uh, a bunch of things. I'm trying to write and talk at the same time. That's an interesting skill, by the way. Hopefully I don't say something yeah. really stupid as I'm doing this. Mandate report, defensive gun use. There we go. So back to our article in the National Interest. Um, they, they break things up and they ask questions. And then the first question is, how big is the threat to public safety from guns and mass public shootings? This is mass public, uh, is mass, public mass shootings. That's redundant. Devastate communities and their random nature has profound effects on our feelings of safety in public places. That's very true. They're a well-publicized phenomenon, but they remain an incredibly small threat to any one individual. They account for only a fraction of the 1% of all gun deaths every year. That's interesting. Contrary to popular talking points by gun control advocates, the United States does not have a particularly extraordinary problem with mass public shootings compared with other developed countries after accounting for population differences. Moreover, in the, in the other developed countries, bombings, mass stabbings, and car attacks frequently kill more people uh, than even the deadliest mass shootings in the United States. That's interesting. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Pianchi, you want to get in this conversation? I know you're out there still. You don't have to. You can listen. I'm just curious. This want to give you the opportunity. He's there. Okay, fine. it's probably making coffee. Next section. What is the role of mental illness? All the things we talked about on the show, we pretty much covered, this article covers, but it's just interesting their take on it all in one place. It says most mentally ill individuals are not and will never become violent. That I find interesting. Most mentally ill individuals are not and will never become violent. So that that sort of negates the, the idea that mental illness is necessarily the problem or the solution. It's as violent especially when they are, it uh, says, they'll never become violent, especially when they are receiving proper treatment. So, the, so, so treatment, I understand. That makes sense. But my contention is if you're too dangerous to have a gun, you're too dangerous to have a car. You're too dangerous to be out in society. You're too dangerous to do a lot of things, like have a steak knife. So it, it's all or nothing with me. You know, either you have all your rights or none of your rights. So you cannot take away from felons uh, the right to own firearms or the right to vote because you can't be selective about rights. That's, that's unconstitutional in the 14th Amendment, equal protection. If you're too dangerous to, to, to be in society for whatever reason, then you should be in jail. And if you're out, then you should have all your rights. I, I don't like this, this kind of quasi-in-out sort of area, because it just seems like a way to, to increase you know, gun control on, on previous felons. But it doesn't make any sense if you let them out, but don't have guns, because they still have access to violent uh, means. John, what do you think?
5: No, I agree hundred percent I, I don't think you can take their rights away once they've you know paid their dues or served their penalties in society mm-hmm. you know I think that if they're out on bail or if they're out on not so much bail but um parole probation, that's a condition of their release
1: That's yeah, different that. yeah, they're still like, not released yet right um because well, the argument is violent felons, they might do it again, yeah, they might. But, that's, but in other words, it comes under this prevention idea again, that we can stop people ahead of time for what they might do. And as Candy said, it was a brilliant line. She says that you cannot take away someone else's rights uh, that, that, it, that also take away my rights at the same time, because, because the rights of the individual are paramount and government should, should, cannot be in business of predicting and preventing necessarily crime. How much, uh, when you're a police officer, how much instruction did you get in how to prevent crimes? I mean, obviously your presence, things like that. I'm not talking about that, but specific means. You know, if you do this, this crime will stop, kind of thing.
5: Not a ton. it usually revolved around our presence or impacting an area,
1: but it wasn't necessarily
5: a preemptive, hey, we need, they, towards the tail end, they started doing more uh, like neighborhood watch, uh, things like that, and trying to educate the public. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as that went, and they they started those programs up. I think a lot of those have fallen by the wayside, to be honest. Now because of no, what's too going on. But yeah, yeah it, it, initially though it was more. Our job was to arrest the bad guy, yeah. and our job was to be a presence if we were there to, re- to avoid something happening. But mm-hmm. really, cops don't have a legal duty to protect anybody. Yeah, they they have a duty to arrest the bad guy and take a report, and that's about it.
0: And most yeah. people don't realize yeah.
5: that either. Um,
0: uh. Um, But I I
5: think you've got to look at the stats, how they keep the stats as well. So they were talking about, you know, the mass murders and things like that. Well, you know, initially when they first termed the active shooter and they were classifying those things, it revolved around it was either four or six people killed in a confined location without a cooling off period. And that was like the standard. But since then, they've changed that to, I think, four or more people killed or injured. Mm-hmm. Within that, I think it's
1: three now, and I think Obama lowered yeah, it to three, three, so they could increase the. Uh, so it makes it look worse than it right. really is. Yeah,
5: right. And what they're what they're doing is they're lumping it all in, so they're lumping the game problems in. They're actually lumping domestic violence in. Uh, I just saw an article uh, today where a lady was advocating talking about how we've had all these mass shootings and mass killings and all these things in the pandemic, but mm-hmm. the the stat list they used. A full third of them were domestic violence-related, where it was family members going in and killing everybody in the family and then killing themselves.
1: Yeah.
5: By definition. Which is a problem, but but it's not.
1: not, Absolutely. But but it's not an active shooter.
5: Yeah. It's not an epidemic that they're attributing to the active shooter problem. Right. So the article is right. It's a very small number when you break it down to realistic terms and statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you heard of the Crime Research Institute by uh, John Lott?
1: Uh, I, I've heard John Lott. I don't know a specific name of it, but uh, that's interesting.
5: Yeah, so he um, runs that. They're the only ones doing accurate research. Uh, are you in contact with, really with him by any chance? chance?
1: I've always wanted to get him I on the show. I'm not,
5: but I, I want to reach out to him. He's actually in Missoula, which is a couple hours away from us. Um,
1: okay. So I'm, and my, That's one oh, of my two is to
5: kind of reach out and talk to him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, yeah, we give him an hour. If if we could have this hour, this third hour of the show, if he wants to come on, uh, I'm sure we can talk candy and this staying around too. <laughs> Cause I, you know, it'd be great. But uh, but yeah. that'd be fascinating to have John Lott on the show. And let's ask him real questions because he he gets like usually three minutes to try and explain something that takes 45 minutes, and he never gets a chance to explain anything. I want to give him that chance.
5: Right, and I think that's a great part of your show. Is at least you give people time to get that out and get a full answer out, as opposed to like you said, that 30 second sound bite and then moving on.
1: Except when I interrupt people, which I trying to get to stop, but I get so excited. <laughs> I don't want to say things, <laughs> you know, that's why, that's why I got into this job in the first place. Um, let's take the next one, mental illness. I think, oh, I always, no, I started that one. It says most, let me start again, most mentally ill individuals are not and will never become violent, especially when they are receiving proper treatment. However, despite recent attempts by some in the media to remove any connection, between mental health and gun-related violence, untreated serious mental illness is a significant contributing factor in two important subjects of gun violence. See, this is this is like a semi-liberal article, so I I, don't, I disagree with the term gun violence. It's violence. It's not a gun crime. It's a crime. It's not a mass public shooting. It's a public murder. So, so you always want to have the emphasis in the words on the person, not on the gun, because then if you demonize the gun, then, then taking away the guns becomes a solution, and that's why they do it. Anyway, it says, analysis routinely shows that about 25% of those who commit mass public shootings were previously diagnosed with a mental illness, while roughly two-thirds had a significant psychiatric history. Moreover, the majority of annual gun deaths in the United States are the result of suicides, which is what you said earlier, which are inherently a mental health-related concern. So let's, let's, let's kind of dive into this, this pool once again here of the, the idea of, you know, in fact, if you weren't mentally unhealthy, why would you kill a bunch of people? I mean, that, that almost that's almost redundant, isn't it?
5: <laughs> yeah, but my definition, right? It's a mental problem.
1: Right. right. So you given that it's a, a, a mental point. problem, but is it something the government can prevent or even should try to? Or again, you arrest people after they commit a crime. Have you ever arrested somebody before they committed a crime? Yes. <clears throat> but oh.
5: that's, the conspira- what, that's the conspiracy. So it's technically, a conspiracy seriously a crime. If you're conspiring to commit a crime, you can
1: arrest that person for that crime. Right. So when is so so how far do the, along in the crime do they have to be um, before it's a conspiracy?
5: There's got to be an act of furtherance. You and I can't get together and talk about overthrowing the government and never do anything about it. Right. right. That's not a conspiracy. If you and I start talking about overthrowing the government, then we start collecting ammunition, then we go to a bunch of maps and we start scouting locations, and then we make a dry run at it there's a case to be made that you were there, there's several acts of furtherance in that crime to make so there's intense
1: yeah, yeah. so it, it's some it's some idiot blasts on facebook yeah i want to overthrow the government man i want to start it over that's just stupid but it's not illegal
5: no i agree but that's that's a, so our very first conversation we talked about that poor guy that got killed by the feds for right. posting on facebook that he was going to put on a ghillie suit mm-hmm. um the guy that was disabled yeah. That's a perfect yeah. example. There was no intent there. There was no act of furtherance there. That was just someone rambling online, being stupid, and they took it to the next level. That, I think, yeah. that's not a conspiracy. That's illegal,
1: what they right. did, not him. No, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, they, they want to make an example of him. I know why they did it. Um, but the sure. the thing is, they need to be brought up on charges for it. You know, they no, need I agree. Be personally but that would be the difference
5: between a conspiracy or an act of furtherance and not having right.
1: right. 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 So in other words, you, you, you can drive by a bank and go, you know, there's a lot of money in there, man. We could rob that bank. That's, that's, not, that's not a conspiracy. But if you, like I say, if you draw the bank plans and you look at the schedules and you, you check the time locks and things like that, now you, you're kind of intent. Well, let's talk about it in terms of, of armed robbery. When does an armed robbery become an armed robbery? You know, as do you have to have as, the, what's the, Yeah, as far as, well, it's like a bank robbery. You're driving to a bank with a gun which people do all the time when they, they carry in, in. I don't know how many people open carry in banks. That's an interesting thought. Anyway, but, uh, but concealed carry, people do it all the time. I do it. No big deal. Sure. Um, but I'm just saying, at what point does, does carrying a gun into a bank become uh, a crime where the gun gets added to the crime? Do you actually have to physically draw it and threaten somebody? Or, do you, or just carrying no. a gun to a bank with the intent of robbing it, is that, is that an additional crime with a gun?
5: Right. So it it kind of boils down to intent. So they they have what's called the AOJ Triangle, AOJ, Uh, Ability, Opportunity, and Jeopardy. You have to have all three for the crime, essentially. Hmm. So you have to have the ability to commit the crime. You have to have an opportunity to commit the crime, but you also have to put somebody in jeopardy. right? So a security guard in a bank is a good example. He has Hmm. the ability, he has the opportunity, but there's no jeopardy because he's there to protect the bank. You walk in as a concealed carry holder into a bank. You mm-hmm. have the ability, the opportunity, but there's no jeopardy. Right. Another guy walks into the bank with a gun, puts on a ski mask, and hands the teller a note, there's your jeopardy. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if he's driving to the bank, he's already made the plans, he's got his ski mask, he's got the gun in the car, he's got the getaway mm-hmm. bags, you know, secured, he's parked out in front with the engine running, and you pull that guy over a stop and talk to him. You could make the case that he was planning on robbing the bank, right? Did he rob the bank yet? No, but you'd probably arrest him for that bank robbery. Now, whether it sticks or not is irrelevant, but the fact that he was there, he had that act of force, he had the ability, he had the opportunity, and there was jeopardy involved, is enough to make the prima facie case that there was a crime
1: going to be committed. Yeah, I would agree too. Again, intent—you know, demonstrated intent. I don't know if that's a legal term or not, but that, that seems to be where this is going. My my concern with the mental illness is that I think it's a given that people that commit these kind of crimes are mentally ill, whether it's suicide or or public murder. I mean, normal people don't do that; <laughs> they just don't. So so it's kind of stupid to say that uh, that the, you know, there's a mental health problem because of course it's a mental health problem. But the question is, you know, do you uh, get the government in a position to determine in advance? you know, who they should uh, or or give them permission to take guns away? And I would say no. You know, you really have to come down to, in a free society, you have to commit a crime before action can be taken against you. Now, if the family wants to get involved or the family says, hey, we're going to take your guns, you know, you're not really, you know, that's different, you know, and I'm not sure how how to do this. It's a tough line because you want to, you know, nobody wants to see people hurt or killed. On the other hand, the problem is that the government is going to take away the rights of millions more people in the process of preventing maybe one crime. And that's the greater crime, maybe. I mean, it's just, you know, well, you can't really relate them. Anyway, it's a messy issue.
5: No, I agree. It's a slippery slope. It's a hard one to define. I I think if you've got an extreme case, like let's say Maine, Mm -hmm. there's a pretty good case to be made that there was a reason to probably seize that person's firearms, at least temporarily, and and allow them due process Mm -hmm. at that point. So the minute he gets out of the hospital, and they say, hey, you're okay, Mm -hmm. then there should be a, a, a procedure in place for him to step into court that day, have it adjudicated, give him at least a public defender or an attorney to help defend himself and, and move from there. So I, I think there's some extreme cases where it, you could make the argument where it's reasonable, mm-hmm. basically. But it's got to be an extreme case. It shouldn't be the norm. It, yeah, it has yeah, to have a very, the, very high standard. There has to be a very high bar for that to happen. It's not the guy coming in who says, you know, I'm having a bad day and I'm depressed because my wife just left me.
0: Yeah. You know,
5: you're going to take every, take a civil liberties away. Probably not. The guy that comes in and says, hey, I'm hearing voices from these two locations, and they're telling me to kill people there, and I have access that's... to all of these guns, and I'm a National Guard yeah. person or uh, what a reserve, I'm a reservist. Yeah. You know, that's probably a pretty clear, convincing case that at least temporarily, let's get this guy help, figure out what's going on. If he gets the right help, hey, give him back. If he doesn't get the right help or he's institutionalized, then we'll keep him until he's out and fixed.
1: That makes sense. Another, it comes to me, demonstrated intent. So if you're saying you're hearing voices, and most of these people demonstrate intent ahead of time. So if you're demonstrating intent sure. to do something... Then I, and I believe it's the right to be able to step in. My problem is that the government's going to start uh, um, saying that uh, you have to prove your mental health before you can get guns. And they're going to start evaluating, and they're going to use that to take guns. And that's my big fear, is that uh, you know, instead of using it to prevent crimes, they're going to use it to prevent gun ownership, which is what the CDC wants to do. That's where it becomes a problem. Um, let me get to another section here, which is interesting. It says, is white nationalism to blame? Okay. First of all, that term is a racist term. I dispute it to begin with because you never hear about black nationalism or, or, or Hispanic nationalism or things like that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a pejorative term, but let the, it's in the article, so let's go with it. It says, white nationalism, like all ideologies that promote violence and divide humanity on the basis of race, uh, I would just call that racism <laughs> myself. It's not white national It's got nothing to do with the nation. It's got nothing to do with the United States. But anyway, given that, it says... Um, White nationalism is an abhorrent belief system that is rightly condemned. Okay, well, all racism should be condemned. Um, Then it says some mass public shootings have been carried out in the name of white nationalism. I'd love to see one and see what that is exactly. This is both in the United States and internationally. I says that includes the recent one in El Paso. This is why what white nationalism constitutes a real threat to the American public. It is not, however, the driving force behind most public, public shootings. I'm going to try, we're going to talk about this term in a minute because this is, this is quite interesting to me. This is only, but the, the article says only a small subset of such shooters is motivated by their ideological beliefs, and many different types of extremist philosophies have been used to commit acts of domestic terrorism in the United States. Yeah, Islam. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is the threat of white nationalism should not be ignored, but neither should it be treated as the greatest danger facing Americans. It's like they're trying to be balanced, but I dispute the whole term white nationalism. But that's, that's you know, part of because I'm a white guy. Um, it seems to me a very insulting and inarticulate, not inarticulate, but inaccurate term. Because nationalism is a good thing. You know, Franklin Roosevelt was a nationalist who, who saved our butts in World War II. Of course, he might have helped get us into it, but that's another story. He was a white nationalist. He was a nationalist who happened to be white. So this is a really bad term. Um, uh, did you get any kind of, uh, shall I say, indoctrination of this in law enforcement? Did they talk about this kind of stuff?
5: Not in my time. No, they do now, but not, not in my time now. No. Uh, what well, did they say so now I, that
1: was, from, from folks you know? I'm curious.
5: Well, now it's talked about all the time because that's, that's all you hear. So it, it's offensive to be a nationalist in general if if you're American because we're in a society where there's not supposed to be any pride, any value in your country. You're, you're supposed to be just like everybody else, if not worse than everybody else. Right? That's what they're teaching everybody, unfortunately. Huh. Now, whether it's true or not, it's not true. We all know it's not true, but that's what they're teaching everybody. But when you okay. have the premier law enforcement agencies in the country, like supposedly the FBI, and the APF <laughs> saying that's the number one threat to our country, and you have all of these
1: police agencies falling in line with that, that's what you're going to get. Why would they fall in line with that? Especially the white agencies, probably white Take a, Take a white town, you know, and, just, and they're going to say that white nationalism is the problem, especially when most of the people there are white, whatever that town might be. That just seems kind of stupid to me. I agree, but it's political correctness, and if you're looking at
5: people like sheriffs are elected, so if right. you're, you're going to get elected in an area, you got you got to mm-hmm. play the political game. But honestly, police and chiefs are are you know chosen by the city council by their cities, right? Right. So you, you it's all political. Then you add funding into that, where the government's going to hand out cash to fund these programs and to fund your department. You go oh, okay. The program, there we go. Yeah. You're getting a lot of money. So follow the money. Break it down. You always follow the money. And you'll find you'll understand what's going on.
1: There's an interesting article. Um, actually, it was a report done by Andrew Adresinski mm-hmm. of Open the Books. He talked about the militarization of America and the the huge amount of surplus military material that has ended up in police agencies. Um, I got a problem with some of that because some of these things are, are pretty extreme. Uh, my, I have a principle which I call defense equity. So, In other words, if the police can, then the law-abiding citizens can too. Not that we need to run down the street in an armored car necessarily, but the point is that um, that these agencies are, you know, police agencies are really well armed. And back in the, uh, the days when they could asset forfeiture without conviction, back in the 80s, uh, they were confiscating all kinds of things, boats, airplanes, you know, all kinds of weapons and things like that. Um, and so do you see that still, that uh, uh, some agencies might be overarmed? What do you think? Uh, mm,
5: yes and no. Uh, I don't okay. think they're overarmed but I think it's a a trend to militarize the police in such a way that it might, might be useful. That might
1: right? be more I, dangerous. That, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh,
5: you know, I, I think that, well, part of it's training, part of it's optics
1: mm-hmm. and
5: part of it's ego, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially cops, they want to look cool. They want to look like they're operators, right? Uh, SWAT teams are a good example. You know, they, they went from being a normal SWAT team with, you know, a little bit of up armor, and handling certain threats with certain tools to now mm-hmm. they look like full military guys.
1: Yeah, commandos. You, know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know,
5: basically huh. armored vehicles to handle problems where 95% of those problems shouldn't be handled that way. Yeah. right. It goes back to the surrounding call-out. Right? The chances of you having to use a battering ram or an armored vehicle in most situations are pretty slim.
1: Yeah. But, most but doors they like kicked it. In. It's
5: a new tool. Yeah interesting sure you um, know I, but i get it you know but you do run the risk of becoming a militarized zone inside your own city which wasn't what the founders had in mind
1: you know i actually met a cop that said that they weren't civilian uh that they were paramilitary i said no you're not you're civilian you know military you're in the military you know you take an oath you're under the uniform code of military justice but if you're a cop you're you're under civilian law you're acting as a civilian yeah you're a sworn law enforcement officer but is that taught have these people lost sight of, of who they are? Uh,
5: yeah, to some extent, but they've always considered themselves different, right? I get it.
1: Well, special, and, different. I understand that, but uh, but yeah. a paramilitary force, a military force? No. Right, but
5: no, I agree. But that goes back to ego, and that goes back to you know, what you're teaching, what you're
1: getting into right. the job for. Right. But yeah, they, yeah. So
5: they can they consider the academy paramilitary. You know, you have to march, you have to stand in at attention, you have to stand in a straight line. They do
1: and a lot of
5: semi, semi-military <laughs> yeah. things in the academy. Oh, okay. Right. So you know, you do need some of that discipline, and you do need some mm-hmm. of that training, but you're also, you can take that to an extreme that's probably not appropriate at my level.
1: No, um, I understand. But discipline. when you talk about training, you talk that about nationalism. It, mm-hmm. You know,
5: nationalism is just identifying with your country. And looking, yeah. out for, looking out for its best interest. But so Black History Month is a nationalist movement for blacks, right? You look at whatever month they put out there, whether it's, you know, the Gay Pride Month, the whatever, you name the month, that's a form of nationalism just for that group. It just – when it comes to white people, it's racist.
1: Well, is it nationalism or is it uh, more for the group itself? Because I don't, I don't think uh... – uh, you never see an LGBT PMS say American Gay Alliance, or we are the 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 Patriot um, Lesbian Club. You know, you don't see that. Right, but it's,
5: they consider themselves a nation within a nation.
1: See, that's the problem. That, that's that's segregation. I, yes. No, that's, I that's, agree,
5: and that's yeah. that's what's destroying the country because we're no longer a yeah. melting pot. They're not assimilating to the to yeah. to America. They're considering themselves outside the boundaries of America, and each one of these individual groups is doing the same thing. And that's what they're accusing white people of doing, right? Mm -hmm. They're accusing the whites to do it. They're accusing everybody to do it. And the Muslim terrorist acts is a perfect example of that. Mm
1: -hmm.
5: That's killing for nationalism. They're protecting their nation. They're protecting their way of life, their religion, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but
1: Islam is not a nation. It's certainly not in this country. That's the, you know, the, no, well, you know, the, the constitution is the supreme law of the land where they have jurisdiction. You know, the states are supreme to, you know, the federal government. The, uh, the principles of this country are, are individual rights, freedom, uh, limited government, and, uh, and we're a republic. And that's how the country works. So if you're trying to overthrow that and say that that's somehow bad, everything I talked about was nationalist. Because relates to the nation. The nation has founding documents and founding principles. That's what this nation is. So it's actually – to be a nationalist is a good thing. The people that aren't nationalists agree. are but the if problem. if you break it down, yeah.
5: they're a separate group, and they are trying to break that down. If you yeah, look no, at the gay yeah. community, they're a separate group, and they are trying to break down our country. The left as a whole, the Democrats mm-hmm. as a whole, they are anti-American. They consider themselves separate, and they want to break down the country.
1: Yeah, so I would say the biggest – you know, the biggest uh, terrorist group in the country is the Democrat Party. But uh, we'll Absolutely. talk about that sometime too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You agree? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. They're wholly yeah. responsible for the
5: vast majority of the violence that's going on and the problems that are going on.
1: Yeah, I was just 100%. thinking how much easier lives would be without Democrats. You know, if we could dissolve the party <laughs> and have them just, you know, have, send them to uh, you know American education camp, just, just get a get a good lesson in the Constitution, freedom, individual rights, what this country's founded on, and go do something productive with your lives and stop being Democrats. You know, it'd be great. Then we can get rid of the Republican Party, too, because uh, you don't need a supportive party for you don't need the beta party to the alpha Marxists. Um, they talk about assault weapons in this thing, too. And this is an interesting thing. This is our assault weapons, the problem. Now, we all know that term doesn't exist. And they actually acknowledge that they say the term assault weapon is purposely vague and has no definitive meaning, but generally refers to guns that have features associated with semi-automatic rifles, such as the ar 15 well, that's, that's a whole difference from what used to be known as an assault rifle. The Sturmgewehr. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. Anyway, it says, despite recent claims that these are, quote, dangerous weapons of war with no legitimate civilian function, these firearms are owned by millions of Americans who regularly use them for lawful purposes, including self-defense, as we know with that church thing. And it says, they are also standard-issue firearms for law enforcement officers who use them every day to respond to threats in the, in the civilian context. These types of firearms are the least likely to be used in violent crime, say that again, least likely to be used in violent crime, with rifles of any kind accounting for only 3% of all firearms-related homicides in the United States every year. Despite common assertions that these semi-automatic rifles are, quote, weapons of choice for mass shooters, the majority of mass shootings are carried out with handguns alone. I found that interesting. Yeah, absolutely.
5: So, one, assault's a verb, not a noun.
1: <laughs> <It's an action. laughs> Thank you for that. That that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's like okay for cops to have them because. Hold on Piyaki. I'll get it you in a like second. It a conspiracy
4: to deny Americans of their Second Amendment rights. Lock them up.
1: Well, it is absolutely. I, I want to consider that a second. But let's just talk about the, the whole idea of an assault weapon. Uh, I want to get back to that point. That's a good point, John. Yeah, so
5: like I said, it's a verb, not a noun. But law enforcement has it because they consider paramilitary, right?
1: So oh, a that's interesting. See, I think of so a it's more for acceptable
5: for them to have it than it is for a civilian.
1: But those are truly oh, they the
5: most versatile, versatile yeah. platform ever made. That platform for an AR-15 style weapon mm-hmm. will accommodate a child all the way through an adult disabilities size, shape, you can customize that gun to fit you perfectly across the board. That's why it's so useful for everybody because anybody can shoot it. Anybody can make it fit them. So it's the difference between, you know, you've got a handgun that's a micro compact that shoots like, you know, really hard because it's so damn snappy versus a 44 Magnum. You can't modify those much. You take an AR-15 platform, you can modify that to the hilt. The weight, the size, the shape, the length, the pull, you name it, across the board, to make that the perfect gun for you. Pianchi could have a totally different gun that's perfect for him. Candy could have one that's perfect for her and her, what does she have, 15 kids? 12. <laughs> ha- each have one that would fit them. No, 12. <laughs> that we Could know fit what? each one, one of them big. perfectly. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's that's the beauty of that system, is it's so versatile and it's so universal. You can make that fit. everybody at any point in time.
1: Well, to get to Bianchi's point, um, when I was in the Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, they have a T-shirt, which I still have on my wall, which says, never let go of your life preserver. And it's a, it's a ship, life preserver, one of those round things. And in the middle of it, it's an AR-15. The most useful rifle for resisting tyrannical governments is a semi-automatic rifle, particularly the AR-15. So not only is it useful for personal self-defense, it's also useful against tyrannical governments for the same reason they have. It's useful for the police. It really is useful for everybody, which is quite fascinating. I need to get one. Uh, how do you clean the gas tubes or do you just not do that? <laughs> I was always wondering how you clean the gas <laughs> tubes on an AR-15. Do you clean the gas tubes on an AR-15? It's a longer story. It's, it, there's some breakdown involved and things like that.
5: Um, okay. But, but, but you don't have to do it all the time. The second, amendment. The, the second yeah. amendment is, you know, really, we should have better weapons than the government.
1: Yeah, Whatever yeah, I'm, the government I'm defense has, yeah. we, should
5: be, we should be a step above that because yeah. the whole point of the Second Amendment was to be able to overthrow a tyrannical government. God forbid that needs to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So no, I agree. The, the fact that they're only allowing us to have subpar weapons based on what they have is a yeah. problem. So well, let's in, Dubai back is back. a good this example, is, uh, right? Yeah, go ahead. You, you think you've I'm got sorry, an Air 15 where well, we've got tanks and we've got planes and we've got bombs and we've got nukes. That's their attitude. Right. hmm
1: yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. No, we, we kind of jump all over each other here. It's kind of a common practice. I try and keep the conversation straight, but you never know. Pianchi, let's get back to what you're talking about with the AR-15s and, and the Second Amendment. Well, I'm getting back to you because I, I, I didn't want to dismiss your point, but you're talking about the AR-15 and the Second Amendment, and I would like to talk about this idea of a weapon of war. I mean, any weapons, any any gun can be a weapon of war. That uh, this The Second Amendment doesn't say, you know, the government you know, shall not infringe except for weapons of war. I mean, they just make this stuff up or when they make up saying that, the, well, the Second Amendment doesn't apply outside the home. Well, who the hell thought of that? What kind of idiot are you? <laughs> you know, That's that's nonsense. They're just making up conditions. So, Or, or like white nationalism.
4: A person nationalism. that uh, uh-huh. loves that, uh, that type of excuse should be charged with conspiracy to deny people of their Second Amendment right.
1: Yeah. Title 18, Section 241, by the way, is one of the most useful and underused laws in the country. But uh, what's a weapon of war, John, <laughs> for a rhetorical question? Everything. Yeah.
5: Right. There's no limit to a weapon of war, right? I, I mean, mean, look I mean, at we... historically, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Vietnam, a weapon of war was a bamboo stick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't we use right. accountants I mean, in war? Outcome. I mean, don't they have to keep track of the ammo? I mean, we use accountants, right? That's, that's a, They're a weapon of war, aren't they? If I can take right. an absurd case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah. now, now lawyers, now lawyers in the State Department, the DOJ, the ATF, and the FBI are weapons of war.
1: Yeah, they're certainly causing they're war one. with the American people. Well, well this is war with the American people. And this is another problem that we need to talk about too: the surveillance state, that the, the, the government uses superior weapons uh, to intimidate. They they are spying on us. They really consider us the enemy. Did you see that starting when you were in law enforcement, and, and how's it how's it looking now? As far as the government considering, that's as the, enemy far as or... government considering the people, the enemy. I, mean, I wrote an article called the nation of government. Still my favorite one considering uh, where, where people in Washington, D.C. Consider themselves their own country and that we are just the colonies. that We are the colonies that, that feed them, that pay the taxes to them. They're in charge. Uh, they are. They're the elite. They're the, the, the natural governing force. Uh, They're the ones in control. And they consider anything that threatens their power. In other words, us, you know, like voting uh, is a threat to their, their power. So therefore we become the enemy.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you're looking at gun control, right? You mm-hmm. can't control a population without taking the guns away first. Nazism, communism, socialism, go down the list. Right. right. The first thing they do is take away people's ability to protect themselves against the government. And then it goes downhill from there. So, well, at yeah, what point it's would people
1: actually resist, though? Because my problem is that uh, you know people say, well, we've got 400 million guns out there. And the government has a lot fewer uh but they do have uh, 287,000 armed bureaucrats that's an army of over 12 divisions bureaucrats you know some of the ancient war wars we're talking piaki ancient history that you know yesterday that some of the ancient armies were nowhere near as big as that I mean, that's a huge force no so at what point you know i mean the nazis took over germany with two percent of the population being in the nazi party but they were organized See, the problem is the government's organized and they can order people to do things and they'll do it because the people that join government Uh, that would kill fellow Americans, Um, those are the kind of people that serve in government that are armed. That's the problem. They believe this propaganda. They believe this stuff.
5: Well, yeah, and the bigger problem now is they control the flow of information
1: on top of it. Yeah, that that is a big problem.
5: Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree that the people in the government have no heart and no soul, and they're more than willing to let us die to prove their point or make what they want done. this last shooting might be a good example of that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they've got no issues with that at all. Historically, though, look at the revolution. I mean, we had, that's where the term three percenters came from. Only 3% mm-hmm. of the population fought. Yeah. So it's not going to take a lot, but it will take some, and it will take probably a flashpoint. And the problem I think we're having is we're getting closer to that
1: flashpoint. Yeah, this is why I want to get Action Radio out there in our bills, because, you know, in the argument between ballots and bullets, uh, there's a third option. That's bills. We actually change the laws and take away their power. Uh, sure. And so that's, 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 that's my whole goal here. Whether successful or not, we're going to find out. Uh, let me do a couple more of these because we're almost out of time here. It says, can universal background checks prevent these shootings? The so federal law already requires that background checks be conducted prior to the vast majority of firearm purchases or transfers. And we talked about our bill, the change that procedure. This so says further is a federal crime to sell or transfer firearms to someone you know is prohibited from possessing them, regardless of when the law mandated uh, that you first perform a background check. Universal background checks would require private citizens to pay a federally licensed firearms dealer to conduct a background check prior to any transfer of a firearm to another person with limited exceptions for permanent transfers between family members. Expanding background checks would not have prevented a single mass public shooter in recent history from obtaining firearms. Let me say that again. Expanding background checks would not have prevented a single mass shooter uh, from getting guns. Would-be mass public shooters rarely have disqualifying criminal or mental health histories, meaning they often can and do pass background checks when legally purchasing their firearms. So generally... uh, it, what was really happening is, is the the, uh, the crime that you see with the mass public shooting, it's usually the first crime, and a lot of times it's their last crime because they're killed at the scene or they commit suicide. So this really is a one-time thing, right? Right. But, so that's,
5: that's the equivalent of a poll tax.
1: Oh, explain More that. People...
5: Well, because nobody – so a poll tax, right? You have to pay a tax to go to the polls and vote. Right. What they're doing is they're backdooring a tax by making you pay for a background check, by making right. you pay for licensing, by making you pay for fingerprinting, by making you pay for all of these things. They are taxing your ability to exercise your Second Amendment right.
1: Right. And that's why I tried to reverse with that bill. Yeah, okay.
5: A check. So so if you put it in terms of a
1: full tax, people can relate to that. Right? No, that's a good yeah. idea. That's a good point. That makes perfect sense. You don't have to have to include that. Um, Pianki.
4: Yeah, background check. If I come to go, if I come to you to buy a, a weapon, I give you my name and you know, maybe social security. You look at a list, and if it's not on there, I'm pre- ready to
1: go. That's well, that's it. what our bill does. That's what our bill does. But we also include a photo ID because for the John Smiths of the world, there's going to be a John Smith on there somewhere on the prohibited list. You know, so you so you have to make it so that you can distinguish between people of the same name, and that's why the photo ID. But, so, yeah, you just compare it. You just see if their name and their photo ID is on the list. If they're not on the list, they can buy whatever they want. <clears throat> and the government has no business in that transaction. I'll the last little part here. It says, at the same time, these policies, and these are uh, universal background checks, would place significant burdens on law-abiding gun owners making low-risk firearms transfers and may even encourage unsafe firearm ownership practices by creating unreasonable barriers to those common low-risk firearm transfers. What are they talking about? What's a, what's a low-risk firearm transfer? What, can you give me an example? John? That would be
5: uh, me giving a gun to my kid. Okay. Right, or, or a family member. So they, they want to regulate family member transactions as well. So if I were to say, okay, look, I bought a rifle. I want my kid to have this hunting rifle. I want to give it mm-hmm. to him. They want me to have him go through a background check, pay all mm-hmm. those fees, and then be able to give him the gun. What they further want me to do, really, is to take that to an FFL have him hold the gun until the transfer is complete, and then give it to him.
1: Yeah, see, that's crazy. We're talking about an honest right. transfer of, of something between, you know, law-abiding people. Uh, unless you're a criminal giving it to another <laughs> criminal, but that's a whole different—that's a criminal activity. That's a whole different thing. And, and then not going to do a check background anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right.
5: Right. So yeah, right. It, well, it, it would solve nothing. It's prohibitive. Uh, plus, yeah. part of the problem, too, is the process. So every process is a little different depending on your state.
0: Right. So
5: I go to buy a gun in Montana. They
0: mm-hmm. make
5: a phone call. The phone call is the background check over the phone with the the feds. They say yes or no, and I get my gun that day. California, well, if- you've got to get fingerprinted, a 10-day yeah. wait period, plus the background check.
1: Well, if it's a federal check, why can't you buy a gun out of state? It's going to the same department. I agree. I agree. You know, like anything else, if I, if I buy a product that's cheaper in another state, like gasoline, say I drive across the Alabama line because I want to go to, you know, gas and, and save, you know, 10 cents a gallon. So that, I can buy gas out of state. Why can't I buy – a, that's a legal product. Why can't I buy them in any state I want? I don't get it. Mailer.
5: No, I agree. I agree. But yeah. it's it's the, it's the whole thing. All, all gun laws are restrictive and violation of the Second Amendment on its face.
1: It's just another another
5: impediment. Yeah, it's another impediment to discourage you from doing it. And like they said, it adversely affects lower income communities because they don't have the extra resources to afford all the extra stuff.
1: That's why the tax credit idea. So it actually doesn't cost people anything. It just costs the government. Um, Pianki, do you have a point on that? More than that's red flag loss.
4: Well, there needs to be a constitutional amendment that better that uh, amends the second amendment to be more inclusive to meet all these excuses that uh, they're trying to draw on it today to deny people of owning a yeah. gun
1: yeah i wouldn't do it in the constitution i remember constitutions restrict government a statutory law would make more sense, but we just we just don't pass these laws or we repeal them well, you can't with, have a yeah. no
4: statutory you can't have a statutory law more stringent than the Constitution.
1: No. I don't that. Well, actually, no, you can't. Yeah, you can't have a law that affects your rights. But in other words, but uh, if you're going to if you're going to say that I've uh, got the nice second warning. Bye, Marco. Have a great week. Yeah. If you're going to have a um, a law that that is, these things cannot be used, you know, for gun control. That so I it just I don't want to burden constitutions. You don't want to, you keep them as simple as possible to be applied through laws, court, and in a way, and legislators.
4: See, laws have sunsets.
1: No, not all of them. But no,
4: we're going to have a big meeting tomorrow, a regional meeting with the convention of the state, That's going to be some of the proposals that's going to be thrown out there on the table. Additionally,
1: okay, tell <laughs> me about them next week. I'd be curious to, to know what's going on. Let me give you the last one here. We're, we're in overtime now, but that's okay. This won't take long and What are red flag laws and should Americans be concerned? Mass public shooters have long histories of troubling behaviors that everyone around recognized as indicating that person was a serious Rarely, however, are official actions taken that would disqualify would be mass public shooters from lawful firearms possession. It's interesting. Lawful problem. But anyway, often that's because these individuals have not yet committed serious crimes, or reached a threshold of mental instability, qualifying them for court-ordered mental health treatment. dilemma right there, right? Then it says red flag laws can help identify and disarm those who are extreme risks of danger to themselves or before they reach full-blown mental health crisis or attempt this. to talk about the difficulties of why it is. I just want to go over what they're saying. Red flag laws vary but they are generally uh, allow non-state actors such as family members or teachers, to petition a court, people who are divorced, or petition a court to hold hearings on whether someone close to them has their rights temporarily restricted because he or she presents a serious risk of danger in the future. Constitution doesn't actually allow that, um, which is which is anyway. So certainly, we should be wary of attempts to predict future crimes or punish people for acts they might commit in the future. That's my logic. When properly However, red flag laws can play an important role in protecting individuals who show clear and repeated indications they are a danger to the Uh We were discussing you can't do that with red flag laws because they're unconstitutional. Then it says, to be unobjectionable, these laws must afford meaningful due process protection to those accused of being dangerous and, tempor- and be temporary in nature, which turns on Second Amendment rights, limited only to the time where the... Person Continues to be dangerous. I think they got their heart in the right place. Red flag laws, by their nature, are unconstitutional. However, as, as we were talking about earlier, you know, if somebody has, if they have the three components, if there, if the jeopardy's there, if, 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 you, know, if you, uh, you know, but you can't just arrest people who just talk and just say stupid things. Like I would throw out all the red flag laws just on their face because they, they are more danger uh, to to uh, people exercise their, their rights than they are to to preventing any particular crime. Yeah, I agree. Okay. John? Yeah, I agree. Did you ever use I the red flag laws? Did you ever enforce them? Did you ever enforce red right flag laws, John?
5: No, they didn't have those when I was around. Okay. So it it Survived. It
1: wasn't it a matter of... But... Wait a minute. John, we, 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 this one at least flag laws. What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, this, kind of, this is the last question. What did you do? Well, so no, they had so they had
5: involuntary committal laws. So if you could, you went out to a call where someone was mentally unbalanced um, mm-hmm. and they would present a danger to themselves or someone else, and you could articulate that, you could take mm-hmm. them in for a 72-hour hold okay. against their will. So we would routinely use that. Absolutely, if they were a danger to themselves or someone else. You would take them in for an evaluation and then they would go get professional help. That professional will make a decision on whether or not they were competent or incompetent and decide to hold them or not. But that's, that's, so that's that how makes you sense that.
1: Yeah, but that makes sense because now you're not just you're just not singling out guns, not taking one particular right that is, is a particular target of a particular orientation. That's a different thing. Right. So if you would yeah, say sure. that that's okay. Because you're taking away everything. You're taking away the guns, the cars, the alcohol, the, cleaner, the screwdrivers, you know, everything. So that nothing gets you to them. I understand that. That makes sense. And then, of course, it goes through due process. But what I'm objecting to uh, with these red flag laws is that your ex can call up the judge and say, oh, they're a danger. Take their guns away just out of being vindictive. Or say to their, their future victim, "You know, I, this person was talking about using their guns in a horrible way. You better steal them. And now they're a victim. So laws, you know, cause far more damage. Besides being unconstitutional, I can really give an advantage to people that to, to know how to uh, work the system. Did you ever see that? Well, cases like that. And it can be deadly. That's already
5: happened. So um, yeah. I, I don't remember where it happened, but that, that one guy that the family member made a call to the police said he was a danger to himself, danger to others. He was going to kill somebody. They went to the house, showed up, gunfight ensues. They kill him. And it turns mm-hmm. out the family member was just pissed off because they had a, a
1: disagreement earlier over right. something stupid, and they made the call. That's that the was problem. stupid. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a lack of due process. That's a lack of investigating, but the, but the law itself is wrong. You know, like I said, no, I, I understand but if, that. But
5: that, that if, was how know. they used that as a tool. <clears throat> they used it as a tool, just like you said, to be vindictive
1: mm-hmm.
5: or to get back at somebody. Not to mention, you can use that to disarm your victim. So let's take domestic violence.
1: Yeah, that's why I right? made I'm that case the too, user. yeah. Right.
5: Yeah, I'm the abuser. I call on my wife, who says, you know, say she's crazy. She's going to kill everybody in the house. Mm-hmm. Take all our stuff away, and I can do what I want."
1: Yep. That we thought of that too. That, that's <laughs> a huge one. So the two cases are are the vindictive acts, <laughs> you know, either in a divorce or a, or a relationship, or the or the the stalker, the the perpetrator of the crime. Uh, they don't and they don't take that into account. They just want to get rid of the guns because this idea and it's a, it's a crazy idea. So we we'll kind of end on this: the idea that you can absolutely prevent crime. I think people think that they're looking for an absolute prevention. We can absolutely prevent you know mass public shootings if we do this, and and you can't. And the greater danger is that you can take everybody's rights away in the process, which you can't do either. You can't stop crime by taking away rights. It just doesn't work, and it's unconstitutional. It violates all our rights. Yeah, so
5: ask the Secret Service. Ask the Secret Service. They know that if someone's
1: willing to trade their life
5: for the president's, Mm -hmm. the president's going to die. You can't prevent it, right? That's the premier agency. That's the premier preventative agency. To your point is you're never going to prevent the crime. Mm -hmm. You can't violate someone's rights just because a crime might be committed.
1: Yeah. Because that's the greater danger, the greater danger to all of us, you know, and we're not diminishing what, what happens when people are killed, you know, and this is, but, you know, intrinsically, we, 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 we don't feel that because as human beings, we want to stop the crime. So it's a hard argument to make to say, and it probably sounds very cold to some people, well, but, you know, because they're looking at it emotionally. Well, we've well, we, we got to stop the crime. We've got we to seize the guns. We've got to stop them from doing things. Well, you don't know that. You're assuming and you can't – you're making sure. assumptions there's, there's no basis in uh, – that you, that you can make. A it is posturing.
5: Uh, yeah. It's posturing and, and designed to make themselves feel better like they're doing something. Schools yeah. are a perfect example of that. You mm-hmm. want to prevent school shootings, put an armed person there. Yeah. Simple as that. It, it really is that simple. But that offends people because that's a solution to a problem that's political where they can't make money or profit from it.
1: Have there been any shootings in private schools? Not that I know of. Why Not is that? that I, of. I think I think statistically, ninety.
5: Well, a lot of those are locked down. Uh, well, I take that back because they just have one in South Carolina, um, that's a private college, mm-hmm. so they they do happen. But statistically, in ninety. I think ninety-six percent of all mass shootings occurred in gun-free zones.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. As so we call them, as victim case. zones. Yeah.
5: Sure. But that's the case to be made. So if you really want to solve the problem, especially with schools, it's simple. You hire people that are professionals to sit in front of that school and do it. Jewish schools are a perfect example of that. So Mm -hmm. in in L.A. especially, most of those schools are are guarded by at least one-armed security, if not two. And there's a procedure to get in and get out of that school. Mm -hmm. I don't know of one Jewish school that's been a victim of a mass shooting that I can think of. Yeah. Why? Because it's a hard
1: target. That makes right. sense. I think but we've you've got we've all almost... these other schools. That... <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say. That this, so the real problem is the government schools. They're, they're and most of the people that are doing this are ex students. So whatever they learned, they learned in that government school, and yet that's never taken into account.
5: No, I agree too. But then we're back to controlling the narrative and controlling the information flow. Right. Not to mention, let's put let's put medication on that. This is a broader topic. We can go on for hours for it, but let's, let's take medicating kids from kindergarten up.
1: Right. Because of their behavior. That's normal. Oh yeah, I, I mentioned in the very first um, first part of the show. where was talking about you know the, the drugs from uh, from vaccinations to ADHD drugs to uh, puberty blockers to uh, antidepressants, mm-hmm. uh, all these psychotropic things, everything that, that people are given. Plus the combination of all of them, no one knows what all these drugs do together. Sure, horrible effects. And most of the shooters have been on some kind of psychotropic. Uh, and I, this is where we're next is, is the uh, the trans drugs, the puberty blocking drugs. How do they affect oh, with ADHD plus vaccines plus um, the psychotropics, the, the antidepressants? Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't sure. think we ever actually – yeah, go ahead. Um, what were you going to say?
5: No, I think that's right. What What do you think is going to happen when you put children on medication during their formative years? And, and you didn't think there was going to be a problem with that later
0: <laughs> you, on? Not you create mention, monsters. You're
5: telling them – well, you're telling them they're damaged. You're telling mm-hmm. them they have to be on medication,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and then you're feeding them. what You're feeding them in school, and you wonder why we have these problems.
1: Yeah, and then you, then you take all the boys who are, you know, it's males that are committing most of these crimes. if not all, virtually all of them. Um, and you tell them they're toxically masculine that they they have no place in society. They're they're the enemy. What do you think they're going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, so boys.
5: they're, they're going to get that aggression out somewhere.
1: Yeah. It's Go come. play sports. Would you like? You it. Know, and it, yeah, and it used to be sports, uh, boy scout camp, uh, all the things that uh, that uh, young men did. Um, my physical activity, because I was not an athlete, was marching band. I and mean, if you don't think carrying a tuba is an athletic activity, then you've never carried one. <laughs> <laughs> and play and march at the same time, especially the big metal ones. Yeah. It was a sport. Also, trust me, I got the, my knees were a little stressed out at the end of some marching seasons. I had to go through some therapy and exercise. So, yeah, it's definitely a yeah. sport. I got sports injured in marching band. Anyway, I don't think we ever really dealt with the question, but we have peripherally. Of course, the title of the show, Our Greatest National Threat is the Lack of Americans Carrying Guns. If we've got a couple more minutes, so we'll go a little bit of overtime, that the real solution is not the red flag laws, it's not the universal background checks, it's not going overboard using uh, mental health. It's not uh, um, gun control. It's not any of these things. What it really the, the, the problems that we have is an invasion of 8 million people plus completely lax um, crime enforcement because of that. And we can't change those as individuals. So the only thing we as an individual can do to fight the, the invading the barbarians inside the gate plus the incredible lack of enforcement uh, against criminals is to carry guns. That is, our, that is the single most, I think, important thing that an individual can do to not only help themselves, but help the whole country. That If we had a national carry program, you know, if restaurants offered a, a 10% discount for concealed carry and 20% for open carry, why don't we have that? I mean, there's so many things we could do that we're not doing. We need to be pro-gun as opposed to anti and being only defensive against the antis. We need to be pro
5: no, I agree. Well, what do they say? An armed society is a polite society, right?
1: Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. but it's also so a safe I, I society. They, it's a safe society more yeah. than polite. Polite is, 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 yeah, that's nice, but an armed society well, is a safe society. Sure, and that kind of goes to the bill you were talking about initially. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I think if you tweak that a little bit, you can make that
5: work. But okay. and I think if you approached it from a um, national security perspective, as well. Yeah. In order to, to ensure our national security, then you promote that education, right, because it is a national security issue, right, yeah. as far as your own safety and everybody else's.
1: Right? You know? I can spend on so this I mean, next week because we're just, we're just starting to talk about that. But it's actually in the title, Our Greatest National Threat. And I couldn't fit security in it because these titles, they're very short. I can't put as much as I want yeah, no, to either. But I consider right. the lack of Americans carrying guns to be a national security threat. And to sure. combat that, we need, we need more people carrying guns. And that includes tax credits, tax deductions, education, uh, retail and restaurants offering discounts. And there's so many things that can be done, that should be done. Mm-hmm. And, we, and politically, right. we need to make it not only acceptable, but desirable for Americans to be carrying guns to prevent these crimes. Yeah. Sure. I think that's okay. sort of the education. Right? You, yeah. you can get
5: that back in. Sure. I, generally, I'm not a fan of subsidizing government programs, but I think if you approach it from a national security perspective and mm-hmm. maintaining a well-regulated militia, yeah, you can get away with it.
1: Well, I'm not subsidizing. That's yeah. why I didn't put subsidies in. We're not paying people to, ha- to carry guns. We're just making it uh, easier financially by not taxing their rights, as you mentioned earlier. Tax credits for the gun purchase, well, that doesn't affect them. They're, you know, that, that just comes off the, the money that they would have paid in taxes anyway. So it's not like they're gaining any money, but they are gaining a firearm. And the government, hey, you know, uh, they got to spend less money anyway. So tax credit, they give child tax credits to illegal aliens. The least they can do is, is give gun credits to Americans. Yeah, I know. I agree.
5: I, I thought there was a part in there where you were going to subsidize uh, lower income. No,
1: Something that's else. my gun stance bill. Them. No, well, you read the bill. In fact, take a look at the bills, and, of course, you're free to make comments on them. That's how we legislate. You know, the whole purpose of posting these bills is so people look at them, comment. And I'm, a lot of times I make amendments based on the comments. These bills are always fluid. So they're not set in stone just because they're on there. The whole point of this is to make comments. And then when they're ready to go, we, put them in, we, we take them from citizen bill ideas and then put them in um, all proposed laws. But uh, all these are fluid. Um, that's, that's the whole point of them. But, yeah, yeah uh, no, I, I wrote a bill as a joke, but actually uh, the more I think about it, it's kind of a good idea. Uh, gun stamps. it just like food stamps, only they forgot so people can. <laughs> oh come on, it's a great bill, right? So I'll, I'll bring this up on January seventh. Uh, but yeah, so the idea is, that the Department of Agriculture, if you get food stamps, you can get gun stamps. So that you yeah. subsid, you literally subsidize guns, so that low-income people can exercise the Second Amendment rights. Why not? Food's not a right. Yes, it's...
5: No, I, I agree, but I, so I don't <laughs> I don't think the government should be subsidizing food.
1: Right. No, I don't either.
5: But that, right. So that's I mean that's how did I. We're yeah. back to, you know, if, if you're going to name your bills and argue on the merits, I think mm-hmm. that we can't fall into the same trap they do if, if that's the case of using people's money to subsidize other people to exercise what they're doing. Tax credits, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of because they shouldn't be taking our money in the first place. We should get as right. much back as possible. Right.
1: Yeah, that, that's why they're Bill.
5: Think, <laughs> <laughs> Just funny to think <laughs> right. about, though. Guns. There. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, yeah. and I think that's where the naming, you should reconsider that a little bit. Because okay. we kind of touched that earlier, is is only because we're in a society now where you have to fight fire with fire, and right. the way you're going to maintain and get that public support is by at least putting it out there in such a way they can stomach it and they can it's palatable. Yeah, right to them. No, it doesn't sense. automatically start with offending their senses. You know, you, if you throw, hey, look, this is a Second Amendment bill, you're already alienating 50 percent of the population.
1: Well, you're going to put down. titles in the comments. You know, work on the title, see what you come up with. Right. Put it in the in, the, in a comment, uh, and I'll take a look, and we'll talk about it. It's probably yeah. a good idea. No, for sure. I can be really self righteous yeah. and and uh, stand on my principles, but if it doesn't get us anywhere, then you know, it's worth right. considering.
5: It, it's it's guerrilla warfare. You really? Is. That's the way I see it. So yeah,
0: let's, no, so
5: our, our revolution is a perfect example of that. Had um, the generals for the Americans stood on their principles and stood on the tradition, we would have lost that war.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I've watched uh, The Patriot with Mel Gibson, and he says, what kind of an idiot would stand toe-to-toe, literally toe-to-toe, you know, know, standing up in a line against a bunch of British regulars with uh, brown best muskets, which are notoriously inaccurate anyway. The whole point is to not be there. Why would you stand in the way of a bullet or a musket ball? That's just stupid. Sure. And the British lost because that's what they did. Yeah, well, they had they they were a gentleman's war. The war was designed by aristocrats and fought by peasants. Well, that's what happens. Sure, but but that's what we're at now. Yeah. Well, we can defeat the aristocrats. We got we got a good new speaker. I mean, let's see what Mike Johnson does. You know, this is gonna be fun to watch. I mean, I'm just I'm as excited now as I was when Trump was elected. So we'll see. Anyway, I gotta let you go. Let's get a let's get a shameless plug in, and then uh, I've got a weekend. (laughs) You got a weekend too. Let's go have some no, fun. So yeah,
5: yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, womensfarmacademy.com, Uh You can reach out there. We're on social media, Substack, and some other platforms as well. And you can get all get all that from the website.
1: Sounds good. Got a couple more announcements to play, and then our our, our ending music uh, on Fridays is the 1812 Overture. Very appropriate. And I'll be back nice. uh, Monday. Thanks, John. So, oh, yeah, it's been a great week. It's been a great week. We've got more things coming. We've got more excitement. We've got uh, more guests coming. Uh, there's so many things in the works. And, of course, the big one is January 7th. So our Citizen Legislation Day It's all over my Facebook page. It's all over our different groups. It's all over every place. So you can take a look at that. So we will uh, meet again uh, 7 a.m. Central Time Monday. Uh, and let's uh, let's get it started. We'll do it all again. Do you know your way around health care, insurance? pharmacies surgery alternative treatments and choices I don't which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans had her on action radio and learned about health patient advocacy she is the founder of great care and now as an affiliate of great care we are proud to offer through our discount code W Y L which stands for write your laws a 10% discount great care saves you both time and money through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street,